This podcast sponsored by Cherry Hill Volvo. A Cherry Hill Volvo and XC40 can be leased for as low as $459. And an XC90 leased for as low as $629. The Cherry Hill Volvo offers are very aggressive. Spring into Cherry Hill Volvo for incredibly fabulous offers. Your fever is high and the pressure to log in at work is too. But when you finally decide to take care of you, there's Instacart. Just because that one perfect coworker of yours is attending all meetings, camera on while she's sneezing, coughing, and aching, doesn't mean you have to do the same. Take it from us. Trying to stay on top of things will only get you further behind. Instead, get everything from tissues and teas to cough suppressants and comforting soups delivered through Instacart in as fast as 30 minutes. If anyone needs anything, they can just redirect their questions to that one perfect coworker worker of yours. WPHT, WPHT, HD, WOGL, HD3, Philadelphia. From the Cherry Hill Volvo Studios, where relationships matter. Always live on the free Odyssey app. The revolution will be broadcast. This is the next generation of talk. Now, on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT, Rich Zioli. Do you know that Hunter Biden's laptop may have been manipulated by Rudy Giuliani or Russia? That's right. That's 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 true. That's what Representative Dan Goldman is saying. The Hunter Biden laptop may have been manipulated by Rudy Giuliani or, of course, Russia. Welcome to the show. Glad you are here. 855-839-1210 on Twitter at Rich Zioli. Uh, watching right now is the Secretary of State, Tony Blinken, is speaking, and he's saying that they are working to extend the pause between the fighting between Israel and Hamas and get more hostages out as Joe Biden continues to try to tie the arms of Israel behind its own back, which is, you know, what, what's happening. Meanwhile, the House Judiciary Committee hearing today was amazing, absolutely amazing. And apparently I'm told that uh, Rand Paul gave the Heimlich maneuver and saved the life of Senator Joni Erst. Ernst. Well, there you go. That's good. That's uh, Johnny sent me that. That's impressive. Well, he is a doctor after all. He is a he is a doctor. He's a physician, which they did not like bringing up during covid because every time that he would grill Dr. Anthony Santo Fauci, the nation's leading infectious disease doctor, you always have to say that by law, of course, every time he would grill Fauci, they would always say Senator Rand Paul grilled Dr. Anthony Fauci. That was always what the media would do. And of course, that's a cute little clever way of, of trying to make people think that Rand Paul's not a doctor because you're not calling him doctor. Even though with Joe Biden, you, you, better, you better put Dr. Joe Biden. I mean, she's not a medical doctor. She's got an educational advanced degree. But if you don't put the words doctor there, you are a misogynist and a sexist. But when it comes to Senator Rand Paul, Dr. Rand Paul, they don't do Senator Dr. Rand Paul. They don't like to remind people that he's a physician because when he was calling out Fauci for all of his lies around COVID, when he was calling out Fauci for uh, his vaccine nonsense and saying things like, why should people who had COVID get the vaccine? It makes no sense. When he was saying things like, why are we pushing these boosters? It makes no sense. When he was grilling Fauci on gain of function research, when he was grilling Fauci on the origins of COVID-19. And throughout the entire process, he was only referred to as Senator Rand Paul to try to make everybody think like, you know, he's just a senator, this guy. The other guy's a doctor. You know what I mean? Come on. The other guy's a doctor. So what what does a senator know when the doctor's there speaking? Come on. And by the way, I filled in for Mark Levin last night, uh, which was a lot of fun. Thank you for listening. If you did, got a lot of great tweets from people around the country, which is very, very cool. But uh, Elon Musk uh, dropped a major F-bomb, literally an F-bomb, on advertisers threatening to blackmail him. Oh, it was great. Just, just, a, just a total mic drop 
F-bomb moment by Elon Musk. So we'll share that with you as well. And it turns out that um, if you're looking to find the next thing that is going to cause everybody to panic, uh, cases of COVID variant BA286 have tripled in two weeks, says a new CDC report. The WHO, WHO, the World Health Organization, that's WHO, is calling it a variant of interest, but says public health risk is low. But it's a new version of the Omicron variant, just as we head into the winter. So, you know, the CDC always wants to remind everybody that, hey, you know, you may be done with COVID, but COVID's not done with you. So if at any point we want to take away your freedom and start mandating things again, you better buckle up, buttercup, because it could happen at any moment now. Just always just a good reminder for you. Every time that, you know, you you start to wonder, they just want to remind you, you know, just saying, getting close proximity with people may not turn out so well for you. But here's Elon Musk. He uh, dropped a major uh, bomb to advertisers who did not want to, um, well, we're trying to blackmail them, really, is what they're doing. Remember what happened, too. The, you had this thing with Media Matters where they wrote all these horrific things about Elon Musk based on their manipulating the algorithm to show side-by-side screenshots of the most vile content on Twitter. And I can't, I still can't call it X. It's, it, sound, it just sounds to me like some sort of creepy OnlyFans page or something. So it's hard for me to say, hey, I was on X last night. It just doesn't sound good, in my opinion. So I, I'm stuck with calling it Twitter. I don't know for how long. But anyway, uh, what, what they were doing was they were manipulating things to show advertisements from major corporations next to vile anti-Semitic, um, you know, neo-Nazis and racist tweets and that sort of thing. But the thing about it is that they manipulated the algorithm in such a way where they would only see content from the most vile accounts on Twitter. And this is, it's only a handful. It's not even a lot. And then they would filter it so they'd only see from the major corporations that they wanted to target. And they would do a side-by-side lineup, screenshot it, send it to them and say, this is where your ad is being featured next to this neo-Nazi guy. It was manipulative. It was wrong. It was absolutely, and he's suing them over it. And he should, and I hope he wins. I hope he takes a giant anvil to, to their head. Absolutely. He deserves to. He deserves to for what they did to him. Trying to, And he lost a lot of business for it as well. He's, he lost business because these advertisers, well, I mean, they immediately cave and turn around and say, oh, my God, I can't believe that we would be on a site like that. And they didn't take the time to actually figure out what was happening. They were getting tricked. So a company would pay to run a car ad. And the people that, that Media Matters for America, the vile leftist organization, since they're only following these accounts of these racist people, let's just say like racist, right? Well, they're only seeing those tweets. And then they're, 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 they're looking for the advertisements and then putting them side by side. But the only people seeing them next to those tweets were Media Matters. Less than 0.0009% or something like that. I mean, statistically, zero. Nobody else saw those advertisements next to these racist tweets, except for Media Matters because of how they manipulated the algorithm, and that's why Elon Musk is suing them. The algorithm, you can follow it the way it is, or you can kind of set your own way around it. And what Media Matters of America did through the manipulation of the algorithm was to return the kind of results that they could then go show advertisers, but it was a a joke. They were the only ones seeing it. But they convinced the advertisers that everybody was seeing this. Everybody was seeing, you know, Warner Brothers advertisement next to a a, a neo-Nazi. So Elon Musk, 
was on with uh, New York Times financial columnist Andrew Ross Sorkin. They were at the Deal Book Summit in New York City. And this is what Elon Musk said regarding these advertisers. Let's start there. Cut number two. And you're clarifying this now. Um, but there's a public perception that that was part of a apology tour, if you will. That this had been said online. There was all of the criticism. There was advertisers leaving. We talked to Bob Iger today. I hope today. they stop. You hope? Uh, don't advertise. You don't want them to advertise? No. What do you mean? If somebody's going to try to blackmail me with advertising, blackmail me with money, go f*** yourself. But go yourself. Is that clear? I hope it is. Hey, Bob, if you're in the audience. Well, well let me ask you then. Bob, I That's how I feel. Don't about, advertise. How do you think then about the economics of, of X? If, 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 if part of the underlying model, at least today, and maybe it needs to shift, maybe the answer is it needs to shift away from advertising. Um, if, if you believe that this is the one part of your business where you will be beholden to those who uh, have this view, G- what do you do? F Y. I, I understand that, but there's a reality too, <laughs> right? Yes. No. No. I, I mean, Linda no, Yaccarino's right here, and she's got to sell advertising. I, I, absolutely. So, um, no. No. Totally. So. So. No. No. Actually, what what this advertising boycott is uh, is is going to do? It's it's going to kill the company. And do you think that the company? I, I, but, and the whole world will know that those advertisers killed the company, and we will document it in great detail. But there are those advertisers. I imagine are going to say. They're going to say, we didn't kill the company. Oh, yeah? They're going to say... Tell it to, tell it to Earth. But they're going, to say that, they're going to say, Elon, that you killed the company because you said these things and that they were inappropriate things and that they didn't feel comfortable on the platform, right? Let's, that's that's and, what and they're let, going to say. And let's see how Earth responds to that. So, okay, this, then this goes back to... We'll, the, we'll both make our cases. Right. And we'll see what the outcome is. All right. Uh, it's tricky, obviously, and he's a billionaire. So billionaires have a little more courage than everybody else in this department. So they, they don't have to worry as much as, you know, the average Joe does. But I'm glad he's fighting back. And in response to this now, a number of people have actually canceled their Disney Plus subscriptions. They've said, look, you know what? Why are we giving these people our money? I mean, I, we canceled ours a while ago. And, and the reason for that is because I just, I, it, it's, first of all, I only had it. For two things. Number one, because my kids love Mickey Mouse Clubhouse because they're, you know, little kids. And I mean, I grew up with Mickey Mouse and we all did. And then I love the Marvel movies. But I've seen all the good ones. Everything they put out now is crap. It really is. Everything they put out now is a piece of garbage. So I have no reason to pay for it. And I'm not going to. People, it, it, it's time. You have to push back on this because w- what's happening is there are advertisers And these are advertisers because these are big corporations who have hired a bunch of woke idiots from from uppity Ivy League schools who think everybody in America thinks like they do. And they try to bring their leftist vision, leftist utopian vision to society. And in the process, they wind up destroying the very brand. Take Dylan Mulvaney, for example, with Budweiser, Anheuser-Busch, Bud Light. Great example of that. And on and on it goes. But but you see. Bob Iger said he was going to be different for Disney. He was going to try to get Disney out of politics. 
But he's a CEO and he can't really do it because the virus has infiltrated itself through the ranks to such a degree. And then the, the same mindset of the people you hire in the corporation becomes the, 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 the uh, message the corporation beams forward for everybody to hear and see. And then, you know, you, you take our advertisers, for example. Our advertisers stand with us despite the fact that you've had lefties call. And I, I mean, I t- I've told you the story before of the woman who called up Caitlin at the Grand Hotel of Cape May and left a rambling drunken message and then called back and left another rambling drunken message going on and on about how she was going to book a wedding for 250, I don't know, thousand people, but she's not going to because they advertise on my show. I mean, obviously she was not really going to book a wedding and believe me, they've had a lot of people who've booked the weddings, booked weddings there because of our show. No question about it. But you see, that's what the left does. I don't do that. I, I like, I don't, if somebody advertises on MSNBC, I mean, I scan the channels all the time. I have to know what they're saying. It's part of my job. So if I see an advertisement on MSNBC, I think MSNBC is a vile, detestable network. They have the biggest racists in media on that network, from Joy What's-Her-Face to Al Sharpton. So I think it's – but I don't – you know, if I see an advertisement for, I don't know, Jeep – I'm not going to call up Jeep and leave a drunk message and be like, I can't believe you advertise on MSNBC. They're a bunch of racists, blah, blah, blah. I'm not going to do that, but that's what the left does. The left targets the advertisers. That's what Media Matters for America does. That was their whole plan to get rid of Rush Limbaugh years ago. They would go after his advertisers. They would take snippets of his show, take things out of context, and send it to all the people that advertised on his show. And so you, you, you created a panic where people would, would, would buy spots at local radio stations and say, please don't air this spot during Russia's show. But then you're missing out on the biggest audience in radio. And that's the point, is that if you, if you adopt this strategy where you're, you're going to stay away from, say, talk radio, for example, then you are going to turn around and you are going to miss out on an, on, an, on an audience that actually pays attention and listens. I've told you before, I can't count the number of times somebody has called me out for my grammar or the fact that I repeated something or I'll say something a couple times, like whatnot, for, for example, like, you know, whatnot. I'll get called out by because the audience in talk radio pays attention. It pays attention and it listens intently. You actually stick through the commercials. You want to hear what I'm going to say next. Television, I mean, I don't pay attention to spots unless they're really, really funny, and it really has no influence on my behavior as a consumer. The point that Elon Musk is making is that when people are on his platform, it's very similar to talk radio in the sense that they're engaged. You're actually engaged. So when you see an advertisement there, you're paying attention to it versus, you know, you're walking through the mall. I don't know, they still have malls, whatever, the shopping centers, and you hear music on in the background. And in the background... You are not paying attention to it. Now, the way that they rate radio, that but whatever that station is, it's blasting Christmas music, is going to have a great month. Their numbers are going to be through the roof. But did they deliver for the advertisers is the question. Because did anybody actually pay attention to their commercials? Versus my advertisers, when I talk about them, I know you're, you're listening. You're paying attention. You're, you're giving them your business because we have to. We gotta, we're all in this together. We got to stick together in this. Elon Musk's point is, look, if you don't want to be on a platform where you have engaged people who are not just passively watching or passively listening to something, that's up to you. That's on you. That, that's your mistake you're making then. So then join the, the masses of putting up billboards that, that nobody cares about and TV spots or radio spots that nobody's ever going to pay attention to. 
and lose out on a focused, engaged audience. It's like advertisers who don't have the backbone to advertise with me are missing out. They're missing out on tapping into the incredible, vast, ever-growing Zeoli army. And that's, that's on them. If they're, you know, if they're afraid of whatever backlash their brand's going to receive, what they don't realize, and this is what I, I still can't make them understand, although it's, thankfully it's not my job to, is why don't you ever think about what you're going to gain? You know, why don't you think about what you'll gain from embracing a conservative talk radio audience, for example? Instead of always being focused on the one whack job who's going to leave you a voicemail and, and probably still use your product anyway, why don't you recognize what you could gain from having a vast loyal audience that wants to go out and support you because you stood with me, for example, our radio station? And the ones who do, they work, they, they do very, very well. And they're able to handle the occasional idiot who leaves a voicemail. And I always tell people, those things are not real life. It's not real life. Most people just go about their day. And if they don't like something, they just don't engage in it. That's all. They just go about their day. That's what they do. But you have nutbags, and they're not a lot of them, but they're loud and they're vocal and they make people think, wow, this, this represents the majority of America. I mean, take Dylan Mulvaney is a great example of this, right? What Anheuser-Busch lost in thinking of what they would do by turning away from their core audience to embrace this mythical audience that did not exist, the transgender beer-drinking community, so offensive to the core audience because they made it a point to say, we got to get rid of this kind of, you know, white male image and we got to move away from just white men drinking our beer and so so instead of then embracing women to drink the beer and making skinny cans and having targeting women they they, they still use the man and that's when people said you guys are full of crap you know what i mean you're full of it but if you insult your, your audience your audience knows that that's why I, i've always told you in my entire career and I've never, ever, and I can't, I won't lie to you. I won't tell you something I don't believe with my core conviction. Because even if it's unpopular at the time, I know in the end, I will be vindicated. Because I always am. No, really, I mean, it's true. All those years that I spent telling people that we cannot allow the Fourth Amendment to be destroyed because of terrorism, we can't allow the government to spy on us, read our emails, listen to our phone calls because of terrorism. And you had national hosts I'm not naming names, but it might it might rhyme with um, Dean Ranity. It, it, I'm not a poet, though, Matt DeSantis. I don't know if that is, in fact, a, a haiku or not. It's very possible. You studied haiku at Harvard, didn't you? You elitist. I didn't study haiku, SOB. no. I'm just saying there were national hosts who might rhyme with, like, Dean Ranity. I, 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 hypothetical, you know? I wonder who, who you could be uh, referring to. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's my point. Again, it's like, you know, hypothetically speaking, who was all in on that stuff back then to, to stop terrorism. You know what I mean? And then I wasn't and I got blasted a lot because people thought it was OK. Yeah. Shred liberty. You got to catch terrorists. What do you want to get blown up by terrorists? And then here we are today. You and I are the terrorists now. You you are you and I, the two of us, we are. We are the, the ones that they're spying and monitoring. If you flew into the Capitol District on January 6, 2021, whether or not you were in the Capitol building itself is irrelevant. They're spying on you. They're monitoring you. You're on a list. If you, tr if you did anything on Twitter engaging with former President Donald Trump, if you liked a tweet, if you retweeted a tweet, if you muted him, blocked him in any way, 
whatever, you are now going to have all that data, your data turned over to the federal government as part of the trial. So you see, in the end, I'm vindicated. It's okay. But this is the point, though. And the point is that when you speak with conviction and people understand you're telling the truth, then they listen to you. And even if they disagree with you, they still know that you're speaking from the heart. What Elon Musk just said in that moment is very true and very passionate. If you're going to try to blackmail me with advertising, blackmail me with money, go blank yourself. I'm, I, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not going to turn around and do this because it's you, your company is going to be the one who misses out. And this is what the left consistently does not understand about, for example, the power of talk radio, the power of this radio station, for example. See, I'm going to go to break now, and I know you're going to be there when I come back. That's why it works. That's the difference. And the advertisers that are afraid of touching us because of, of whatever blowback they may get from some wacko who doesn't really actually represent a community in any way, shape, or form, a core constituency in any way, they be, they, we, we'd more than make up for it with the Zioli army behind them. And Elon Musk standing his ground, smart. And people have already responded by saying, Disney Plus, thanks but no thanks. Phase four of Marvel sucks. And by the way, everything you touch now turns to uh, S, right? You know it. 855-839-1210 on Twitter, at Rich Zioli. We got a big show still straight ahead for you. Tudor Dixon's going to stop by a little bit later. I'm excited to see her. Don't go away. When the whole family comes together to watch the game, nobody wants to miss a second of the action to run to the grocery store. With Instacart, you can get all your weekly groceries in as fast as an hour. Less time shopping means more game time. Let's go. Visit instacart.com to get free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. $10 minimum per order. Additional terms apply. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. The Zioli Show on your schedule from Talk Radio 1210 WPHT in the free Odyssey app. 855-839-1210 is the number if you'd like to weigh in today on everything we are discussing. So on this point, you know, when you start talking about standing up to advertisers like Elon Musk is doing, saying, you know, go F yourself. If you're going to try to blackmail me, like, go F yourself. Elon Musk says that he won't financially bail out X. If it fails because of advertising boycott, then it'll it'll be gone. I mean, that, that that's the end of it. I have a feeling that that's not going to happen, though. I don't believe it will. I really don't. I don't believe it will happen. I think it's a it's a great platform. I think the engagement on it is fantastic. I'll tell you what, we get a lot of show content just from Twitter. Really do. I mean, we get a lot of stuff from there. 
in my opinion, you you'll get more gems for show content from scanning certain Twitter accounts, and we know the ones to scan, than you will reading the Washington Post, where you're gonna hear stories of 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 you know people having political dominatrix sex or whatever the hell the article was I shared with you yesterday. Yeah, where, where, where people are paying somebody of the other political party to dominate them in the bedroom and, and call them names. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's why paying for a subscription in the Washington Post seems like a gigantic waste of money. But, but I'll get stuff like, you know, Colin Rugg will put something on Twitter with a, with a clip of something and I'll send it to Matt and Matt puts it on the show sheet and boom, we're good to go. So I don't think Twitter is going anywhere. I think if anything else, it's what you're seeing is a shift that's occurring throughout media in general. And more and more people are saying, I got a microphone. I've got a platform. I have a camera. I can make my own horror movie. I can make my own show. I can make my own whatever. And if it's good, it's going to succeed. If it's not good, it's not going to succeed. But guess what? That's the same thing if you're on a mass platform. You know, the lesser Cuomo, Chris Cuomo, the lesser, has now come out and said he's probably going to vote for Donald Trump. The lesser is so desperate right now, trying to get attention, that he's almost changed completely who he is. I mean, he's still the lesser, so there's nothing's going to change that. But he's actually coming out now and saying he may back Trump. I'll play that clip for you in a minute. But here's Elon Musk saying he won't financially bail out X, cut number three. What are the economics of that for you? I mean, you, you have enormous resources, so you can actually keep this company going for a very long time. Would you keep it going for a long time if there was no advertising? I mean, if the company fails because of an advertised boycott, it will fail because of an advertised boycott. And that will be what bankrupted the company. And that's what everybody on earth will know. But what do you think then of the, I guess and this goes back to the idea to of trust, though. Then and it'll I, be gone. And it'll be gone because of an advertised boycott. But, but you recognize that some of those people are going to say that they didn't feel comfortable on the platform. And I, I, wonder, I just wonder and ask you and think about that for a Tell second. Tell it to the judge. But the, but the judge is going to be... Uh, the judge is the public. And you think that the public is going to say that, that Disney is making a mistake? Yes. And they're going to boycott Disney? They already are. Well, there, there are some that are for, for, for lots of different reasons. But you think that this is going to... That you have the this goes to actually the interesting of, of, of power and leverage. Let the chips fall where they may. Let the chips fall where they may. Can I ask what, why that is the approach? And I, I ask it because you've been What's very the other approach. Well, you've been very particular about the, I mean the approach to Tesla. Uh, when you think about the engineering involved in that, the approach to SpaceX, the approach to um, some of the stuff you're doing with with AI has been very specific, right? There's not a let, let the chips fall where they may approach to those businesses, I don't think. No, we focus on making the best products. And, and, and Tesla's gotten to where it's gotten with no advertising at all. I understand that. Tesla currently sells uh, two, twice as much uh, in terms of electric vehicles as the rest of uh, electric car makers in, in the United States combined. Tesla has done more to help the environment than uh, all other companies combined. Uh, it would be fair to say that, therefore, as a leader of the company, I've done more for the environment than everyone else, any, any single human on Earth. How do you feel about that? No, I, no, how do I feel about that? Yeah, no, I'm, I'm asking you personally how you feel about that, because this goes, we're talking about power and influence. And, I'm, and saying, I'm saying what I, what, what I care about is the, the reality of goodness, not the perception of it. And what I see all over the place is people who care about looking good while doing evil. 
them. Okay. <laughs> and again, it's easy for a billionaire to say all these things. I get it. It's a little bit harder for somebody to say these things if you are just getting by, which is what most Americans are doing. So he has the ability to do that. But that but but that's a good thing. What that means then is if he's willing to do that for the rest of us, if he's willing to shoulder that burden because he has the money, great. Then that that will do. See, I think he's a pioneer here. I think Elon Musk deserves somebody to pin a medal on his chest. A lot of people are not in that position to be able to just turn around and say, you know, like it, go, go F yourself. But he can because he's a billionaire and he's got successful companies. So my point is that if he succeeds, if X succeeds, despite this advertising boycott, because he's not worried about it and he's not going to bail it out, it's going to sink or swim on its own. The platform will sink or swim on its own without Elon Musk bailing it out. And if it succeeds, then that's going to send a shockwave through the world of advertising. Because fundamentally, it all has to change. It really does. It all has to change. And it, and as the world adapts to the new media landscape and they realize, you know what? Not only does it hurt you to reject conservatives and conservative platforms, but it also hurts you to adopt the lefty lunatic platforms of things like Dylan Mulvaney and what Target did with their tucking onesies for little boys at the, you know, at the pool. Tuck it onesies or tuck it bathing suits. You tuck it, tuck your little, you know, your, your schwanz in this way. You know, you, I mean, people turn around and say, this is enough. Like, enough. You know what I mean? The truth is that the power of advertising is only as good as the, what the audience is willing to, to listen to and pay attention to. And, if, and if, you, if you are not somebody who's paying attention as an active participant in that show, in, on that platform, whatever, then they're just wasting their money. And then how much more does it cost them to try to make up for the mistake? How much more does Anheuser-Busch have to spend now to make up for the mistake that they made by using Dylan Mulvaney as their spokesperson? You see what I mean? By the way, 2024 uh, Politico has a piece. Not only can Trump win, right now he's the favorite. I'm going to get to that as the show progresses as well. But let me share this clip with you as well as we're discussing the entire conversation about all of these things. Here's Glenn Greenwald. System update host Glenn Greenwald applauded Elon Musk. Now, Glenn Greenwald is a uh, guy who is a true classical liberal, small L liberal, uh, I think he lives in Brazil. He and his husband, I believe, live in Brazil. And Glenn has always been an outspoken critic of the deep state, the national security state, the police state that we're living in. He's been a, a critic of COVID lockdowns and all the censorship and everything else. He's been a critic of war. He's very, very consistent as a classical small L liberal, not what people on the left today call liberals. They're not liberals. No, true classical small L liberals. So for Glenn Greenwald to speak up like this, also very, very important. And this is what he said. There was only one time in my entire journalism career when I perceived that somebody was trying to limit what I wanted to say. That was when The Intercept refused to publish my article right before the 2020 election that reported on and analyzed the documents from Hunter Biden's laptop and what it revealed about Joe Biden. And when I saw The Intercept wasn't going to publish my article unless I made radical changes to it that gutted the entire thing so that it was no longer critical of Joe Biden, I quit. And I didn't contemplate or deliberate much at all 
And that's because it was an instinct. It was just a reaction. Like, go yourself. You can tell me what I can't say on my own site that I created that was built on my name and my work. But I would have had that anywhere. That's what Elon Musk did there. You think that's in his interest to do that? Of course not. What went wrong here is not what Elon Musk said. It's so revealing that so many journalists and people who call themselves journalists and work for media corporations are aghast that anyone would dare tell Disney and major corporations to go f*** yourself when they're trying to limit and censor and control the flow of political content. If you aren't willing to say that to corporations who are trying to limit what you can say, don't bother calling yourself a journalist. Yeah, don't bother calling yourself a journalist. 855-839-1210 on Twitter at Rich Zioli. By the way, speaking of the censorship industrial complex, Michael Schellenberger, uh, fantastic testimony today. He was testifying before the censorship, before the House, I think it was the Judiciary Committee, as he was talking about the censorship industrial complex, the network of U.S. government agencies, contractors, and big tech platforms conspiring to censor ordinary American citizens. It's kind of like what I always tell you, the unholy triad of the government, corporate media, and big tech working on all this. And Schellenberger's point is that internal files from the Cyber Threat Intelligence League reveal, and Cyber Threat Intelligence League sounds like something that the Justice League would have to come out and fight. You'd have to get Superman and Batman, Wonder Woman, Aquaman to go battle the Cyber Threat Intelligence League because it sounds pure evil. And what they were doing was pure evil. They, they, they had military contractors using psychological operations, psyops, against Americans. Against Americans. And that the government was pushing these platforms to censor you. Because it's not just a matter of controlling the message. They got to shut you up. Tell you what to believe and tell you what not to believe. Is this a clip, Matt, do you have uh, from Schellenberger from yeah, today? It's, uh, it's kind of long, though. So All right, we'll do want, that on the other yeah. side of this. Um, and, and also, speaking of the censorship industrial complex, you remember, as well as I do, when the Hunter Biden laptop story came out, you remember what they told us, right? The 51 former national security hacks all said the Hunter Biden laptop was Russian disinformation. You remember all this? Well, it turns out, you see, that they're still playing that game. They're still actually arguing that Hunter Biden's laptop could have been manipulated by the Russians. I I, I know. I know. I'm not making this up. I promise you I'm not making this up. This is what a Democrat congressman said today that, yeah, no, look, it could have been the Russians. Could have been Rudy. Rudy or the Russians. Russians, Rudy, Rudy, Russians. Who can say? Hard to say. Hard to know. But that actually happened today. Oh, yeah. And tonight is the big debate between um, uh, Newsom and uh, Ron DeSantis. I believe it's tonight, Matt DeSantis, if I'm not mistaken. Have you talked to your uncle about it? It is tonight, (laughs) correct? It is tonight, yeah, on Fox News. Uh, Are you going to watch it? Uh, Honestly, I'll probably watch clips of it, but I likely won't watch the entire thing live. Yeah, probably not, right? No, I'm kind of done with debates right now. Each one that I've watched, I've watched every single one, and they've all been boring and terrible. In my opinion, all this does is give Gavin Newsom a platform that uh, is unnecessary. I don't know why they're doing this. I, I think it's stupid. I think you're giving Gavin Newsom a platform and he's potentially going to be the Democrat nominee for president. There's a very high likelihood Gavin Newsom with that beautiful quaff of hair. Tonight, if you do watch it, pay attention to how it shimmers in the light. 
He put so much petroleum-based gel or pomade in that thing. I mean, literally, it doesn't move. He was standing in, in a Category 5 hurricane one time. Not a single piece of hair moved. No, no joke. <laughs> and the carbon footprint of that hair, of all that, that crap, that goo that he puts in there, it's equivalent to like three or four private jets, I think. So I will tell you the truth uh, of all of this when I get back. But the government of the United States is dead set on censoring you. And the good news is that documents and testimony from former President Donald Trump's civil fraud trial may undermine New York Attorney General Letitia James's case against him. This is a big deal. I'll tell you all about it. But first... Let me tell you about my friends at Cherry Hill Volvo. You know, I'm so grateful for the friendship and support of Cherry Hill Volvo. Even when crazy lefties have called up and threatened to never buy cars from them, they've stood with us. In fact, Cherry Hill Volvo not only just advertises, they are the studio naming rights sponsor. That's why we broadcast live every day from the Cherry Hill Volvo Studios. That is the headquarters for Talk Radio 1210 WPHD. Now, it's not at the dealership on Route 70 in Cherry Hill, but she, she, it's like Wells Fargo Center, Cherry Hill Volvo Studios. It's a big deal. And Judith Krupnik believes in what we do, and she stands with us, and that's why you should stand with them. And there's never been a better time to go see Cherry Hill Volvo because in addition to all of their already aggressive financing, on top of all of that, you also have incredible specials because they are doing something right now, a big renovation. It's been a, a, a renovation that has been in the works for some time. And so to add to the already aggressive pricing specials they have, they're giving you an extra $1,000 off a brand new Volvo, an extra $2,000 off a new Volvo if you use Volvo car financing or a lease, or $7,500 rebate off a plug-in. So it's a great time. It's the region's most accessible Volvo dealership right on Route 70 in Cherry Hill. Judith, Yosef, and the entire team would love to see you, meet you, and make sure you get the luxury experience that you deserve. There simply is no other car dealer anywhere that has that kind of a mentality and is our studio naming rights sponsor. Cherry Hill Volvo, where relationships matter. Thanks for listening to the Seoli Show podcast from Talk Radio 1210 WPHT and the Odyssey app. So COP28 opens today. That's right. The big climate change scam conference in Dubai, which I love, by the way. Dubai is my new favorite country, besides Italy, of course. And I'll tell you why. Because Dubai is pulling the ultimate scam here. I love it. I do. I'm so proud of them. It's, it's really the Jersey way. I'm so proud of them. Because they, they are a country that is betting the future is oil. And they are rapidly expanding their drilling operations. Build, I mean, not just drilling, but they're building new islands to drill. That's taking it to the next level. It's like, we're, we're going to keep drilling. And you know what? If we run out of space to drill, we'll just build new land in the ocean so we can keep drilling because the world needs oil and we're going to make sure that we supply it to them. But what we'll do is we'll host a giant cocktail party with a bunch of environmental kooks and then we'll, we'll, we'll make sure that the straws are the kind that dissolve into water and the paper, the cocktail napkins are all recycled and we'll give ourselves a big pat on the back. It is such a scam. I love it. They're going to make all this money. I mean, really, the United Arab Emirates might be the smartest country on earth for hosting this conference. They are, they are literally going to have everybody come there and they're going to make big speeches about how they're all in on climate change, whatever they need to do to save the planet. They are all in. And at the very same time, the drills are drilling, baby. 
Drill, baby, drill. I mean, that's basically Dubai's motto at this point. They know that at some point, all these stupid nations around the world, ours included, if this continues, is going to to become completely energy uh, reliant on other countries. Completely. And then when that happens, Dubai wants to be there and be like, all right, you need some oil. Fine. I hate it too, but I have some for you. (laughs) Okay. They're not dumb. We are. We're dumb. We're stupid. We're the ones who are trying to stop drilling in this country. We're the ones who are now in court trying to stop people from having offshore drilling leases, which they are entitled to get. We're the ones who keep limiting area where we can drill, like Anwar and and offshore and places like that, where Dubai is building new islands so that they can drill further in the ocean. So they're, we're dumb and they're smart. And they go, all right, listen. We know you're going to need oil. I got some oil. We got we got you. We'll take care of this. All right. I hate it too. Oil, evil. Wish we didn't have to have it, but we have a lot of it, so we'll sell it to you. It's going to cost you a lot, though, because nobody else has it anymore, just us. So, you know, uh, there's that. And, and as this COP28 conference starts, there's a great piece about net zero, how net zero fails the cost-benefit test. Remember I told you what this scam, the latest scam is, this net zero emission? So you could, you could have a fleet of private jets. You could have a fleet of big SUVs, all, all spewing you know, CO2 into the atmosphere, all the nonsense, right? You have uh, a, a big, giant, sprawling mansion, maybe a, an office tower that's uh, 150 feet tall and everything. But what you do is to offset the climate, that the, the, the CO2 that you make, you build, uh, you plant some trees. You plant some trees in a park or in the rainforest. I think it turn around and go, oh, we're net zero. People turn around and go, ooh, wow, you have zero emissions? Well, it's net zero. It's like, let me give you this equivalency. Have you ever done a low-carb diet before? Then you know how to do your net carbs. You take whatever the carbs are and you deduct fiber from it plus sugar, alcohols, and things like that. You deduct it, and then you get your net carbs. And look, I mean, you could say the whole thing is kind of a scam that way, but, I mean, a lot of people live their, their life around that. They look at what not what the carbs are, but what the net carbs are. It's very similar with net zero emissions. So instead of the fiber being taken from the count, it's, uh, it's trees that they plant in Brazil in, in a rainforest. It's taken away from the count. Same emissions. The emissions don't change. But they, they're able to take it off one sheet and then put it someplace else. Most of the globe's big emitters have passed on or are considering laws mandating net zero carbon emissions. But it's a scam. It's a joke. The whole thing is a joke. And then when they start to actually mandate net zero in terms of things like actual environmental or energy policy, like New Jersey, for example, where we must have net zero emissions by 2035. They can't achieve it. It's a scam. It doesn't work. A peer-reviewed paper from MIT economists identified the cost of holding the temperatures rise below 1.5 degrees, as well as that of achieving net zero globally by 2025. They found that those policies would cost 8 to 18% of our annual GDP by 2050 in other words you would have to spend so much money you'd have to spend 27 trillion dollars annually just to make what the paris climate accords envision 
A study by a researcher for the Copenhagen Consensus shows that competitive government investing in green R&D would be 66 times as effective as Paris policies, while costing between 1% and 10% as much. But here's the problem. Competitive government investment in green R&D, research and development, we've been doing that. We've been doing that with cars. We've been doing that with solar panels. Solyndra. We've been doing that with wind turbines. It doesn't work because those fuel sources don't work. That's the bottom line. You can have all the government investment you want. If people don't want to buy EVs, they're not going to buy EVs. If windmills don't actually provide the energy we need, they're not going to provide the energy we need. You can have all the solar panels if it's not enough because the sun's not shining and it doesn't do your needs. Well, all the government investment in the world doesn't change that. So you see, I'm against both. I'm against government investment and the green nonsense, and I'm against mandates and the green nonsense. I'm against all of it. And by the way, Michigan has just passed some of the toughest new green idea laws in the country. We'll talk to Tudor Dixon about what the impact will be on the private sector, and it's not a good impact, I can tell you that. 855-839-1210, on Twitter, at Rich Zioli. How many private jets landed in Dubai for the COP28 summit? How many big SUVs are shuttling around VIPs? That's the question. Don't go away. Rich Zioli, weekday afternoons, 3 to 7, Talk Radio 1210, WPHT, and on the free Odyssey app. WOGL HD3 Philadelphia from the Cherry Hill Volvo Studios where relationships matter always live on the free Odyssey app the revolution will be broadcast this is the next generation of talk now on talk radio 1210 WPHT Rich Zioli the attorney general of Texas is suing Pfizer alleging that the pharmaceutical giant lied about the COVID vaccine efficacy. It's a big deal. And there's now another gag order on former President Donald Trump. But is the case about to blow up? Welcome to the show. Glad you're here. 855-839-1210. On Twitter, at Rich Zioli. Ken Paxton is the uh, Texas Attorney General, and he just dropped a lawsuit against Pfizer, alleging that the pharmaceutical giant lied about the effectiveness of its COVID-19 vaccine. In a press release, his office accused Pfizer of, quote, unlawfully misrepresenting the effectiveness of the company's COVID-19 vaccine and attempting to censor public discussion of the project of the product. His office said Pfizer's claim that its vaccine possessed 95% efficacy against infection was highly misleading. Of course it was. We knew that the vaccines did not stop transmission. We knew that. And we were lied to. Rochelle Walensky, Rochelle, Rochelle Walensky, she told us that, yeah, the vaccine stopped transmission. No, they didn't. COVID shot did not stop transmission, period. They did not do that. You know that, and I know that. So I'm glad he's suing them. Good. You know what? Why is it that Big Pharma gets a pass on everything? Why is it? If it was another product that misrepresented itself, another company that misrepresented a product, they get sued all the time. States sue companies that misrepresent their products constantly. California leads the way in that department, by the way. So why can't Big Pharma take a piece? Why can't Big Pharma also know what it feels like if they put out a statement about their product that turns out to be intentionally false hmm why not 
good for him. I say good for him for pushing back. And the other part of this is that he's also saying that Pfizer was intentionally misleading, but that it also worked to censor public discussion of the product. So the censorship industrial complex, the censorship industrial complex, which exists to tell you what is true and what is false is exactly what Orwell warned about. It's what Orwell warned about many, many times. And it's come true, the ministry of truth. And you are not allowed to say things they don't want you to say. Part of the First Amendment, obviously, is that you can say things, but it's also that you're allowed to hear things. You can hear different opinions. You can hear opinions that you don't like. You can hear opinions that are, in fact, controversial and then make up your mind on something. Like, let's say, for example, you were debating whether or not to give the COVID shot to your kids and you wanted to hear all sorts of different opinions about it before you made up your mind. But you couldn't because any opinion that was contrary to what the Ministry of Truth wanted you to know uh, was taken down. So you were not allowed to know, even if results from other countries in Europe, for example, which were showing clear warning signs about giving this to healthy young adults in particular, but also children, that was completely unnecessary, and it wasn't tested, and they had actual legitimate results from countries. Despite that, those posts, those tweets, those Facebook posts were taken down and labeled misinformation, even though they were actual medical studies. But Big Pharma is very powerful. I tell you all the time, you know, the most expensive zip codes in the entire country are all right outside Washington, D.C., right outside the swamp. And so the, the, the swamp creatures that live there, they get rich off of this stuff. The lobbyists, the lawyers, all of them, they get really, really rich and they don't want to drain it. They don't want to drain it, and they're going to do everything they possibly can to stop Trump from winning a second term because he is going to be the nominee. I've been telling you he's going to be the nominee, and the, the establishment getting behind Nikki Haley is not going to change that fact, period. But they get really rich off this stuff. And the censorship industrial complex in this country is so vast and so wide, the unholy triad of the government, corporate media, and big tech all working together. In a seamless symphony of pure evil to stop you from saying what you want and from hearing different opinions of than what the government wants you to hear. That's what they do. And they're very good at it. And, you know, the Missouri v. Biden case that's making its way through court, and we have, we've had our friend Tracy Beans on the show before to talk about this. That's at the heart of what this case is all about. If the government goes to a private tech company and says, hey, you need to censor these posts, take down the Hunter Biden laptop story. How is that not a violation of the First Amendment? It's the government doing the bidding. Be like if the health inspector walks into a local deli and goes, you know, not for nothing, that gabagool looks like it might be a little bit above room temperature. Uh, I think you may need to put a sign for the mayor in the window. I mean, you're, you're intimidating a business to do your bidding by using your power. It's, it's exactly the same thing. I don't know, that prosciutto, I'm just saying, looks a little sweaty. Doesn't have to, but we can make this all go away. Mayor's having a ball Tuesday night. We'll put some tickets on the counter. Your customers can get some. They get the gabagool, and uh, everybody will be okay. All right? It's the same thing. You're, you're using your power to intimidate people. You're using your power to get your way, and it's completely unconstitutional, and it should never happen in this country. That's what the entire case of Missouri v. Biden is all about. It's entirely about that. So here is a little bit of Michael Schellenberger talking about the censorship industrial complex. And he's a guy who's experienced this directly. His reporting on COVID was censored. His reporting, I mean, and, and he's not a conservative Schellenberger, 
But he has been putting out the truth for years. And as a consequence of that, they censor him. Here's what he had to say. Take a listen. Nine months ago, I testified and provided evidence to the subcommittee about the existence of a censorship industrial complex, a network of government agencies, including the Department of Homeland Security, government contractors, and big tech media platforms that conspired to censor ordinary Americans and elected officials alike for holding disfavored views. I regret to inform the subcommittee today that the scope, power, and lawbreaking of the censorship industrial complex are even worse than we had realized back in March. Two days ago, my colleagues and I published the first batch of internal files from the Cyber Threat Intelligence League, which show US and UK military contractors working in 2019 and 2020 to both censor and turn sophisticated psychological operations and disinformation tactics developed abroad against the American people. Many insist that all that we identified in the Twitter files, the Facebook files, and the CTI files were legal activities by social media platforms to take down content that violated the terms of service. Facebook, X, formerly Twitter, and other big tech companies are privately owned, people point out, and free to censor content. And government officials are free to point out wrong information, they argue. But the First Amendment prohibits the government from abridging freedom of speech the Supreme Court has ruled that the government may not induce, encourage, or promote private persons to accomplish what is constitutionally forbidden to accomplish, and there's now a large body of evidence proving that the government did precisely that. What's more, the whistleblower who delivered the CTIL files to us says that its leader, a quote-unquote former British intelligence analyst, was quote-unquote in the room at the Obama White House in 2017 when she received the instructions to create a counter-disinformation project to, quote, stop a repeat of 2016. Let's stop that real quick. Hang on, let's jump in. This goes all the way back to Obama, and I'm not surprised by that. I'm not surprised in the least. This goes all the way back to Obama's White House because Obama also was a guy who wanted to control the message at all times. And he wanted to make sure that you were hearing what was being told and that you could not contradict these things. But what the fact of how premeditated this is by the government to work and shut you up, to make sure that you can't say things, to make sure that you're not allowed to hear different opinions. I mean, it was an all out effort by the government as they started to make George Orwell Orwell again. And they did. And they rolled it out. And they and they were so proud of themselves. They added new little acronyms. They love their acronyms. They love their words. They love their letters. They love all those things. Keep going. Security, Cybersecurity and Information Security Agency, CISA, has been at the center, been the center of gravity for much of the censorship, with the National Science Foundation financing the development of censorship and disinformation tools and other federal government agencies playing a supportive role. Emails from CISA's NGO and social media partners show that CISA created the Election Integrity Partnership, EIP, in 2020, which involved the Stanford Internet Observatory and other U.S. government contractors. EIP and its successor, the Virality Project, urged Twitter, Facebook, and other platforms to censor social media posts by ordinary citizens and elected officials alike. EIP reported... Stop it right there. They had a... They, they, this government agency and its little offshoot telling Facebook and Twitter to censor politicians and content it didn't like. Hey, yeah, you doing? Um, 
We don't want you to hang that sign in the window supporting that other candidate for mayor. All right. And while we're here, we got to take a look at your refrigerator because the temperature is running a little hot. Just saying, not for nothing. The intimidation by the government is so much that when they start telling private entities what to do, knowing the full path, and think of what the government was dangling during this entire time. They were dangling the regulation of the internet, the, the net neutrality nonsense. They were dangling all kinds of things in front of them. Hey, we might take away your, your, your 403B, whatever it is, your, your ability to not be sued under the law. We might take that away. So, you know, it's the same thing. If I if I if the government comes to these private entities and goes, "Hey, we you know, we're having the conversations about possibly holding you accountable for content on your platforms and taking away the the immunity that's offered to you." Um, but I mean, we don't have to if you just start taking down Trump supporters and people who say the COVID vaccine doesn't work and uh, people that say the Hunter Biden laptop is real and people that say that COVID came from a lab and um, on and on it goes. And that, that Biden uh, cheated and that Trump actually won. And I mean, the whole list of things. How is that any different than the local health inspector busting the chops of a deli in town because they put the wrong sign in the window? It's not. It's exactly the same thing. And so while I'm sure these big tech companies were more than happy to do the bidding of government, because don't forget, they're part of the unholy triad. So they're all in this together. They have the same lefty mindset. Oh, you like, you don't think Facebook and Twitter at the time they were they were like, yeah, sure. No problem. We hate Trump, too. We love the covid vaccine and we we don't want to make China unhappy. We got a lot of business over there. So we'll do whatever you want. It wasn't a hard sell. But nevertheless, it was the fact that the government was pressuring them. That is why the First Amendment to the United States Constitution is called into question here. These companies had every right to censor on their own. And they and, and, and left to their own devices, these lefties probably would have done it in Silicon Valley. But when the government gets involved and starts pushing them to do it, coaxing them to do it, and then maybe even subtly threatening them to do it, now you have a First Amendment violation. Period. All right, keep going. A 75% response rate from the platforms, and that 35% of the URLs that they reported were either removed, labeled, um, or throttled, or soft blocked. In 2020, the Department of Homeland Security's CISA violated the First Amendment and interfered in the election, while in 2021, CISA and the White House violated the First Amendment and undermined America's response to the COVID pandemic by demanding that Facebook and Twitter censor content that Facebook said that Facebook itself said was quote unquote often true, including about vaccine side effects. All of this is profoundly un-American. One's commitment to free speech means nothing if it does not extend to your political enemies. In his essential new book, Liar in a Crowded Theater, Jeff Kosef, a law professor at the United States Naval Academy, shows that the widespread view that the government can censor false speech and or speech that quote unquote causes harm is mostly wrong. The Supreme Court has allowed very few constraints on speech. For example, the test of incitement to violence remains its immediacy. I encourage Congress to defund and dismantle the government organizations involved in censorship. That includes phasing out all funding for the National Science Foundation's Track F, Trust and Authenticity in Communication Systems, and its Secure and Trustworthy Cyberspace Track. I would also encourage Congress to abolish CISA in DHS. Short of taking those steps, I would encourage significant guardrails and oversight to prevent such censorship from happening again. In particular, 
it's very easy to see the line in CISA. They say they're covering physical security, cybersecurity, but they added a third one, cognitive security, which is basically attempting to control the information environment and how people think about the world, including the stories that they tell. And let's stop it there again. Think about this now. Your thoughts are considered critical infrastructure now. So in addition to making sure that uh, they have the control of the of the cyber highway for the, all the purposes of what? Keeping us safe. It's the same scam, by the way. It's all the same scam. Every time they start to erode the Bill of Rights, it's always to keep us safe from something. You notice that? Every time. Every time they start to meddle with our rights, it's always under the guise of keeping us safe from either foreign election interference or hackers or something else. Oh, and while we're in there, while we're at it, we also want to look at your thoughts and your ideas. And then we want to do something about your thoughts and your ideas. You know, since we're under the hood, might as well take a look at the oil and, uh, you know, the brakes or whatever's under a hood. You know, I'm the wrong guy. <laughs> Obviously, I'm the wrong person to ask what's under the hood of a vehicle. But uh, but you get the, the point. And, and if it's oil, I'm putting in way too much, obviously. And then in which case my car is going to be on fire on the Schuylkill again, just like it was several years ago, because I don't know how to use a dipstick, because I clearly am surrounded by too many of them. But you get the point. While we're under the hood, let's take a look at everything. It's exactly the same with what CISA is doing when they are looking at your thoughts. But we create this monster because we say we need to be kept safe. So let's create just another bureaucracy with more unaccountable bureaucrats who can turn around and then while they're at it, they can regulate us and take down thoughts and ideas they don't like. All in the name of keeping you safe, keeping you happy, making sure that you don't say the wrong thing. 855-839-1210 on Twitter at Rich Zioli. Listen, you know, my family trusts Cooper University Healthcare for their outstanding medical care that they give to all of us Ziolis. And I recommend that um, everyone receives care at Cooper because they have more than 75 specialties, including the MD Anderson Cancer Center at Cooper, as well as the Cooper Neurological Institute which is there doing amazing work on stroke and Alzheimer's and neurological disorders, really changing people's lives, giving them their life back. And there's an urgent care center near you as well. You know, Cooper Urgent Care, we took baby Reagan there last week, well, toddler Reagan now, and she had a double ear infection. But we didn't have to wait long. Great people, great facility. And when she went into the room, which she only had to wait a few minutes, but saw a doctor. That doctor is a an emergency department doctor. So that doctor or nurse or provider, that person is, they work in the level one trauma center at Cooper. So you're getting the most experienced emergency physicians for your everyday life's urgent care needs. That's what Cooper does that's so different from all those other urgent care centers out there. Only Cooper can say that. It's great. So reach out to them for an appointment today by calling 1-800-8-COOPER, 1-800-8-COOPER, or go to cooperhealth.org. Cooper is committed, compassionate, complete. They lead the region, and I would argue the nation, in cutting-edge technology and healthcare. 1-800-8-COOPER, cooperhealth.org. 
org. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. The Zioli Show, on your schedule, from Talk Radio 1210 WPHT in the free Odyssey app. All right, welcome back to the show. Glad you're here. 855-839-1210. I've told you before, I don't like the red chili peppers. I don't like them. I don't want them on the, on the air. I can't stand them, actually. Really? Really. Why can't you just play, not play them? They're terrible. I, I thought you'd be with your Italian brethren. How are they Italian? John Frusciante. Oh, is that his name? Yeah. I don't like every Italian. A lot of Italians I can't stand, actually. Like who else? Like Matt DeSantis, for example. <laughs> well, that goes without say. Right. Obviously. I don't. I, I don't know. Every. You know what it is with them. I think every song sounds exactly the same. You're not wrong. Right. They do. They do have a certain it, sound. Yeah, it's like every Nicolas Cage movie. He's playing the same guy. <laughs> You know what I mean? He's yeah. just playing Nicolas Cage. He's playing Nicolas. It's the same thing with Red Hot Chili Peppers. Like, oh, this song sounds like every other Red Hot Chili Pepper song I've ever heard. No, I get just you saying. there. I, I understand. Uh, I want to give a couple shout-outs. So uh, let's see here now. I have the ability to do this. You know what? We do the the uh, um, children's – I make sure I get – the Families Behind the Badge Children's Foundation Bend to the Shore Bike Ride – and we do that every year, obviously. We're big supporters of that here on the radio station. My buddy Steve Travolini, Trav who is Italian, and he's a great plumber, and he's a great guy, and he was over my house today because we are finally doing the pizza oven, which is great. Anyway, um, Steve put me on the phone with a couple of uh, our Zioli Army members. So I want to give a couple shout-outs to Joe Bacalupo and Steve Mallon from Weinstein Supply. It's where they work and where the materials came from. And also give a shout out to Guy Nicosia. Guy and Steve, were they biked together in the Bend of the Shore bike ride. 
So I w- they sent me a picture of uh, the three of us in Atlantic City, I guess it was two summers ago, hanging out and uh, after the Bend of the Shore bike ride. That was the same day, of course, I was in the dunk tank. So you can see the ooze from that putrid water that Mark O'Connor and Wayne Bonfiglio maybe fall into. But nevertheless, Joe and Steve and Guy and, of course, Steve, thank you for uh, listening to the show. We appreciate it very, very much. Thank you so much. Uh, and good to say hello to you guys on the phone today, too. And you know what's amazing, too, is how many guys that work for a living, actually work for a living, listen to this show. You know what I mean, Matt DeSantis? They actually work for a living. Unlike you, these people actually go out and break a sweat every day. I break a sweat. Yeah, when you're sweating whether or not there's a first-class seat left on the flight, you mean? <laughs> like that? I get nervous if I don't have my extra leg room, yeah. <laughs> you, you can't stretch out and watch the NFL and do your show prep? I explained to you a million times. It was a very modest upgrade fee. <laughs> uh, what, what What is this Monday night scheduling game move that you're telling me? What, what just happened? Oh, is this the, the, the Eagles? Yeah, the Eagles got flexed to uh, Monday night, their Week 15 matchup against the Seahawks. It's Not the first time. Yeah, it's uh, it's coming. What is this, Week 13 or something? Yeah. So it's a couple weeks from now. But anyway, it's the first time the NFL has ever flexed a Monday night game. And why are they doing this? Uh, I think because the Patriots had been yeah. previously scheduled for Monday night, and their team is terrible. Dog water. Oh, oh, I see. So what you're saying is since the Eagles are the best and they bring ratings, they've shuffled the deck to put the Eagles on <laughs> exactly. Monday night? Correct. Yeah. So what happened? So where, what, when were they supposed to play? What game is being moved for that? Uh, it, Patriots, uh, Chiefs. No, no, but but the Eagles were scheduled to play oh. another time then, right? Yeah, I think they were scheduled to play at 4 o'clock. Yeah. Oh, so we're losing Sunday. a Sunday 4 o'clock game for a Monday night game? Yeah. Correct. That's a bummer. See, because I like the 4 o'clock games because then I can hang out with my son and we can watch football together. Yeah, I, I really – I've said this before. i starting to detest these nationally televised games. I, I thought it was fun a couple years ago when they occurred occasionally, but now all we get are Sunday night and Monday night games. I like watching football Sunday afternoon. Yes, yes, I do too. And Patrick and I bond together, and we have a great time together. And when it's Monday night, he can maybe stay up and watch the first half, but that's it. Ah, it's a bummer. I mean, this this season's been tough on, you know, afternoon games. And we only had, I think, what, maybe one, two one o'clock games the yeah, entire season? I think it was three total. And they're all gone. We don't have any one o'clock games left. No, that's a bummer. By the way, some breaking news. Uh, six hostages have been released. They are on their way to Israel. Apparently... Uh, Israel is releasing 30 Palestinian prisoners in exchange for these hostages who were released. That just that just came out uh, a few moments ago, and I'm watching this. Six hostages released, handed over to the Red Cross. You know, I, when I was on Mark Levin's show last night, I spent a lot of time on this issue of the Biden administration telling Israel how to fight this war, and of course they're they're you know they're using money as the carrot here and the stick to tell Israel how to fight for its own survival as it works to eliminate Hamas. And Joe Biden is doing everything in his power to make it difficult for Israel to do what it needs to do, which is to eliminate, not surrender to, but eliminate the enemy that's trying to destroy itself. But the United States is saying, you want the money, then you have to do it our way. That's the latest on that. And, you know, we'll see where this goes with the foreign aid bill, but yeah, you know, there's an argument to be made about the United States of America keeping its nose out of other people's business. And there's an argument to be made about the United States of America not telling sovereign countries 
how to run their own wars and what to do with their own national security. And there's an argument to be made about the United States of America sending our money overseas. And we're about to do it again with Ukraine. Except the only difference, though, and this is an important point to know, we don't tell Zelensky how to run his war. We don't tell him what to do. We just sign the checks. But you see, Joe Biden, Ukraine has the receipts. You know what I mean? Joe Biden was never bribed by Israel. He never did anything illegal in Israel. So Israel was never, they never put the Biden crime family on the payroll. So Joe Biden has no problem telling Israel what to do. He can't do that with Ukraine because Zelensky has the receipts. All the Biden crime family money. You know, I don't know if you heard me talk about this last night on the show when I filled in for Levin, but the, the story broke right before we got off the air yesterday, how this money from China landed up in Joe Biden's pockets. And these forensic investigators have followed this money, this check from this Chinese investment firm in conjunction with the Chinese Communist Party, all the way from them to Hunter's company to brother James Biden, sister Sarah Biden, and ultimately all the way to Joe Biden. China owns our president. Our president is a wholly owned subsidiary of China. They might as well stamp a giant made in China sign on the guy. Just stamp it right there on Joe. China Joe. They might as well. Because he's, they, and, and he's not, won't ever tell China what to do. He will not tell Ukraine what to do. He'll tell Israel what to do. He can't tell China what to do because China has the receipts. He can't tell Ukraine what to do because Ukraine has the receipts. But BB never bribed him. BB never gave him any money. So there's no leverage there. So Biden feels like, all right, well, I'll tell Israel what to do. Nobody else, though, just Israel. Oh, man, I'll tell you what. It's just infuriating to me. It really is. 855-839-1210 is the number if you want to weigh in on Twitter at Rich Zioli. Uh, Johnny Cook says, I think I can speak for the entire Zioli army in saying that I've spent nearly every day of 2023 boycotting Pajamagram until they stop sponsoring your show. So far, so good. Johnny, I have some bad news for you, buddy. The naturally nude pajamas are coming back. Oh, yeah. <laughs> They are. Yes, they are. They are coming back. The na- I, got, I got the script today to record for the Naturally Nude Pajamas. I'm excited. <laughs> Sid said, when's the last time you broke a sweat, Rich? You break cars, not sweat. So that's a fair point. Sid, I hope Sarah's doing okay with her recovery from her shoulder surgery today. And uh, I want to give Sergeant Mark Fusetti a shout out. His son received a medal for saving a fellow Marine and a baby that wasn't breathing. And he just posted a picture of that on Twitter. That is fantastic. God bless, man. That is great. Sons of Marine. Fantastic. 855-839-1210 on Twitter at Rich Zioli, if you'd like to weigh in. Um, Matt, you said there's some other cuts regarding the censorship industrial complex that I should get to. Yeah, we've got two other cuts. Two Um, other cuts in my formerly pangolin-stained fingers. Uh, But, you know, since we mentioned Monday Night Football... I don't know. Did you guys see that little kid was on with uh, Jesse Waters last night? I did. Him and his dad. Yes. Holden Armenta and his father, Bubba, they were on Jesse Waters' prime time. So he's the little boy that was accused of wearing blackface and um, uh, culturally appropriating Native Americans by wearing a headdress to a Kansas City Chiefs game where the colors are red and black. And this horrible sight, Deadspin, put a picture of the little boy on their site, little boy, minor, remember, wearing with, with just one half of his face painted, which was black. The other half, which was painted red, they didn't show. And they called this kid out and said, the NFL must do something about kids wearing blackface and fans being wearing blackface and everything else, right? 
And it turns out that what they did to this poor kid was so wrong because the kid was not wearing blackface. But to read the article, is like, hey, you know, racism's so popular in America now. Kids are putting on blackface and doing minstrel shows, and they don't even care anymore. They don't even try to hide it. And they're so racist, they just dress up as Indians now. And they don't care. They don't, they don't try to hide it. Turns out the kid is actually Native American. And father, I think his grandfather sits on the council, the local council, for the Native American tribe or whatever it's called. Um, and yet this kid has been just absolutely shamed by this Deadspin site. It's awful, terrible. His mother had to post a thing on Facebook saying, he's Native American, stop it already. Stop it. Poor kid. I mean, I can't imagine if they did it to my son. This little boy, you know, he was just so excited, so excited to just go out and enjoy the game with his mom and dad, Monday night football. I told you, you know, Monday nights are tough for parents with the kids watching football games. So when it's at home, it's a little bit easier to say, all right, got to go to bedtime. Take your kids to a Monday night football game. They know they're going to be out late. This is a treat. They are very excited for this. This is a big deal. Is the Eagles game at home for that Monday night game? No, it's in Seattle. Oh, all right, good. So I'm off the hook. Because <laughs> I was just thinking in my mind, I'm like, well, I probably should take Patrick to a Monday night football game. But... uh <laughs> Yeah, not if it's in Seattle. First of all, I don't want to get attacked on the streets of Seattle. So there you go. Um, so anyway, so you know what they did to this little boy. Little boy who just was excited and wanted to wear face paint like Putty did when he was at the hockey game. Just happy, just having a great time with his mom and dad, and then shamed and maligned as a racist. And it's awful. I mean, it's awful. The little kid. Here's what uh, he and his dad had to say last night on Jesse Waters' primetime cut five. Bubba, would you like an apology? What would you like from Karen at Deadspin? You know, I, I don't even want, know what to think about that. It's kind of, it's a little too late for that. Um, the damage is already done. It's, you know, worldwide. Now there's comments all over. There's, you know, disrespect towards native americans and towards my family um we never in any way shape or form meant to disrespect any native americans or any tribes um the tribe we're from doesn't even wear that type of headdress um we it this specific headdress is is a a novelty piece it's a it's a costume piece that's a exactly what we had purchased it for and and wore it for not in any disrespect towards any native americans at all and um it's just it's been a whirlwind of of comments coming either even from from other tribes from tribal members um some think it's okay some think it's not okay um it's a nine-year-old boy supporting his team and you're going to be wearing the black and the red in I guess every Sunday for as long as you're alive, I bet, Holden. Yep. Forever, huh? Who's your favorite player on the Chiefs? Patrick Mahomes. Good kid. Good kid. I feel so bad for what they're putting this kid through. But that's what the left does. I mean, it's what they do. They, they, they seek out outrage. They're like Terminators seeking out outrage. And they don't care who they malign, who they destroy. It's a nine-year-old boy. Good riddance. And if they get the story wrong, it doesn't matter. Because they'll, they'll justify it by saying, well, it's still, America is still so racist. So if this one wasn't racist, then uh, there's another one who is. 
So it's no big deal. We got the wrong one. That's all. Or they'll double down like the writer did and said, no, it's even worse because he's he's doing blackface and redface. So it's even worse now. He's appropriating two cultures at once and mocking them and being racist. Remember, the only people who are allowed to wear blackface are people like Joy Behar and Ted Danson, Jimmy Fallon, Jimmy Kimmel, uh, Justin Trudeau and Howard Stern. Otherwise, you are a racist. Uh, remember that. Uh, but if you're a good liberal, I'm a, a good Democrat, a good lefty, you know, you could put the shoe polish. Ralph Nothram, Governor Shoe Polish face. That guy was the governor of Virginia and he put shoe polish on his face to do a karaoke night. You remember that? And I remember when he came out at a press conference and he, he, he explained his reasoning for putting shoe polish on his face. And it went something like this. He said, you see, you, see, you have to uh, understand now, I like shoe polish when I do Michael Jackson and whatnot. So I take a little shoe polish on my face just to make sure I look like them. That's literally how he sounds, by the way. Foghorn Leghorn. But, you know. I say, I say, I put a little on my shoe polish. And he does this press conference with his wife. Uh, did you ever see this, Matt? He does a press remember. conference with his wife, and he gets up there to explain why he needs to put shoe polish on his face to do karaoke. Yeah. And he's like, you have to understand. I try to get into karaoke. She's like, just zip it and step back. Don't don't say anything. Walk away, you idiot. Yeah, didn't he like almost volunteer to do a Michael Jackson type dance at the Oh, uh, yeah, it, he was going to do the moonwalk. Yeah. They, that's what it was. That's exactly what it was. Yeah, they're at the press conference. They're like, well, can you do the moonwalk now? He's like, oh, I'd be more than happy to. Anybody have any shoe polish with them? I'll just quickly put some on my face and I'll be going back and moonwalking it up. And she was like, nope, but, 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 you just, you're not, just stay right there. You stay right there. <laughs> oh, man. I'll tell you what. Uh, 855-839-1210 on Twitter at Rich Zioli if you'd like to weigh in. We got a lot more to talk about. Tudor Dixon's going to be stopping by. I'm excited to talk to Tudor. She's one of my favorite people ever. And we'll talk about what that tyrant Gretchen Whitmer is doing in Michigan. And it matters no matter where you live. Because Gretchen Whitmer's on the short list to be one of the replacements for Joe Biden if, you know, something were to happen like the fact that Joe Biden can't run for president because he's lost it and he's going to freaking lose too. 855-839-1210 coming right back. Thanks for listening to the Seoli Show podcast from Talk Radio 1210 WPHT and the Odyssey app. Sanders, you're not taking calls today? Can't, can't pick up the phone? He's actually on the phone right now. Because I told him, I texted him, said, what are you, not taking calls? What's going on? Why am I giving out the phone number? Why do I give out the phone number if you don't answer the phone? What I mean, what is the point of giving out a phone number if you don't answer it? On the I'm phone on rings? the phone with Dave right now. Because I had to send you the tweet from him saying I tried calling in and nobody would answer because you didn't answer the phone. I didn't see it. If I'm playing clips, I can't see the phone screener at the same time. Unbelievable. That's the excuse, huh? Anyway, he is there. <laughs> Good. Fine. All right. Well, Dave Huber, our friend from the college fix in newark delaware what's up there colossus rodney how are you hey rich man. i didn't mean for that to get in trouble well he gets in trouble every day i mean what are you gonna do it's, if it's not this it'd be something else so hey just with all this uh i knew this guy's name from deadspin that wrote that article i knew it looked familiar and I had to go, like, I mean, when I was, like, way, way back, like, in my, uh, like, when I just had, like, a personal blog. Because this, I knew this guy's name. I rang a bell, and lo and behold, 
he he wrote for Delaware Online, the Wilmington News Journal, the, the Delaware News Journal, mm-hmm. for many years. Apparently, he covered like a lot of local sports. So I went back and I found this one piece where he was rightly most likely. Remember that? Uh, remember that girl, uh, Rachel Dolezal? She apparently transracial. She white yeah, white lady. Yeah, she was she was the one who said she identified as black or something. Precisely. Yeah. Well, he was. He spent time ripping on her, but in that same article, and this is like from 2015, he, uh, now I'm just like wondering, given what he just did with his kid, I was like, where's all these trans activists now? Because here's what he wrote. He's just like, well, he said, using blackface to help black people doesn't help, it only hurts. He's like, if you're a smart and wealthy man and you want to use his resources to become an advocate for pro-choice, there are plenty of women who will welcome the help for the cause. But if that same man disguised himself in drag and pretended to be a woman by living out stereotypes, his work would be discredited once the truth came out. Why? Because he isn't a woman. He doesn't know what it's like to be one. Rich, doesn't that sound transphobic to you? Absolutely. Sounds transphobic (laughs) to me. So we we should out him for that, Dave. That's what I'm saying. I mean, how, how can this guy be a judge? How can he judge his little kid? When he's this blatant transphobia, it's, it's, I mean, these people should be besides themselves, Rich. Why they should be storming Deadspin right now? Yeah, they should. I like it. You know what, Dave? The, the problem, though, of course, is, and this is what we've said before: they get away with it on the left. It's like Rolling Stone with that a rape on a college campus. These they get away with it for whatever reason. The left can come out and they can just they can they can malign people. They can lie about them. They can say the worst possible things about people, and there's no consequences. Well, yeah, I mean, precisely. But with the transphobia thing, you think this might have because there's people that have gotten a lot of grief that are kind of on the left. Is this the one that you think really doesn't get like a little, you know, that much leeway? I mean, he's also put out some. This guy, uh, the Deadspin guy, he uh, he also has a couple like anti-white statements, and I know there I can see like everyone forgiving because you know, you, technically, you technically for the left, you can't be anti-white because you know, power differentials, or historical oppression, that kind of thing. But the transphobia, though, rich, I don't know. I mean, that's you know, like well, I think it was what Martina Navratilova's one. She's gotten a little bit of heat. Um, even my, my sister, who, you know, was an Olympic runner for Villanova. Yeah. And, uh, she, she's written stuff and has gotten heat about it too. She is very much like in the camp of Riley Gaines and, uh, you know, it's, oh, they hate even Riley though Gaines. I mean, they're, they're trying to destroy Riley Gaines, uh, it, you know, yeah. and all she's trying to do is just defend women. Oh, right. But I'm saying like, but like, but Martina and me, my sister, I mean, they're, they're politically progressive, but when they come out on a fairly common sense issue like this, I mean, they're just immediately descended upon. Right. And that's why it was surprising. This guy, I mean, gets out. I mean, you know, I mean, I, read, I wrote about it on Twitter. I mean, nobody seems to be saying anything, but that's fine. I'm a nobody, but whatever. <laughs> you are somebody, Dave. You are somebody. You're part of the Zealy Army, and you're the associate editor at the College <laughs> Fix, and they do great work over there, so... <laughs> So don't don't you worry for a second, my friend. Don't you say anything, all right? All right, listen, buddy, thanks for, thanks for the call. I appreciate it. You have a great day. Hey, you too, best man. Thanks. All right, 855-839-1210. Good job, Matt DeSantis. You did part of your job today. You answered the freaking phone. Do I have to screen anymore, or is that it? Um, That's it. All right, good. No. Yes, you have to screen calls. Yes, of course you do. Come on, man.
It's what we do for a living. Uh, 855-839-1210 is the number if you want to call. Just to bust Matt DeSantis' chops, just give him a call. Make him do his job. Don't call now. We have a guest coming on in like nine minutes. <laughs> That's nine minutes. We have nine minutes to go. We don't have nine minutes to go, though. We only have a few minutes of on-air content. Then we have commercials, and then we have our guest. Uh, well, in after the we're, we're, li- we're light on commercials here. You could you could take a call or two. Good, Henry. Shut Thank up, Henry. you. <laughs> yes, exactly right. In fact, you know what? It's now open line Thursday. Oh, no. Right now, I'll talk to you about anything. 855 You're opening yeah. Pandora's box. Yeah, now, this is going to be the punishment to Matt DeSantis. If he doesn't answer the phones, why are you doing this? Then to what me? I'm going to do is I'm going to just do an open line segment. <laughs> In the spirit of the great Rush Limbaugh, uh, any, anything you want to talk about, this highly trained broadcaster will turn over the phones to you right now at 855-839-1210. This is going to be good. Anything. Anything you want to talk about. What do you want to chat about? It doesn't even have to be politics. He's already off to the races here. Of course he is. It's great. You can talk to me about uh, astrology. I'm a Pisces, in case you're wondering. Uh, you can talk to me about... <laughs> <laughs> oh man anyway um should i wait for this i mean got a couple up there now they're coming in fast yeah. and furious uh, are you gonna put one up they're up all right oh, yeah. here we go let me uh put michael in center city on michael how are you who the hell is Michael? This is Matt. Okay, Matt in this Center Matt. City. Okay, Matt. No, but I'm not in Center City. I'm in fucking Bordentown. Whoa, but anyway, we can't, peppers- you can't, you can't, you can't, uh, can't curse there, genius. Uh, Sid is in Warrington. Sid, how, first of all, Sid, how's Sarah doing today? She's doing great. And she really loves your shout outs. And I just wanted to say that she really appreciates your shout outs and at our WPHT family. And you guys, you really are family. That's how I feel. Mm-hmm. You know, that's all I wanted to say. That's and it? Matt, get to work. <laughs> I, I don't want to bust thank his you. chops. Thank you. Bust, bust away. Bust his chops. All right. Hey, thank uh, you. Bu- uh, yes. All right, Matt. Knock, knock. You start. I, I well, start with do a knock, knock joke right, on the end. Knock, all right, knock. go ahead. Go ahead. You start. I, I say knock, knock. Uh-huh. Okay, knock, knock. Who's there? That's pretty good. <laughs> that, was so... that was really good, actually. Oh, my God. What's the punchline? I didn't answer. I, don't, I didn't know what the punchline was. He hung was, up. He, he hangs he up. up. He came, <sighs> Matt, Matt knocked on the door. He said, who's there? He sees it's Matt, and he hangs up. He goes away. That's mm-hmm. the punch. Thing. I thought it was pretty mm-hmm. funny. That's good. Uh, all right. Well, Sean is in the Northeast. Sean, how are you, sir? What's going on? 1210 WPHT. What's your name? Rich, I just wanted to say, I just was just checking in, see how hey, the family's doing and all. What's your name? You know, just wanted to see uh, Matt get the back there to the phones and, uh, you know, have to uh, answer my calls here, you know? Yeah, no, I, I hear you. I hear you. Uh, uh, Sean, so... Things are good. Well, 10 WPHT. Things are good, Matt, buddy. we can I'm hear you. I can hear you on the air. Christmas and all. 
All right. Merry Christmas to you and the Merry family. Merry Christmas, all. Sean. God bless you, buddy. Yeah. Thank you. God right. bless Merry you. Christmas. God bless. Matt, you're, when you're screening calls, you're on the air. We can hear you. Oh, sorry, I forgot to turn Do you not know on. how to work a studio? Like, I mean, how long have you been a producer? <laughs> I, I forgot to turn my mic off. I apologize. It happens. It happens. It's an honest mistake. Uh, honest mistake, right? <clears throat> All right. 855-839-1210 is the number. I'm going to take a quick break. We have Tudor Dixon coming up next, and we're going to talk about all the environmental nuttiness of Michigan and everything that's going on there. Plus, you know, before I take a break, actually, here's that congressman who blamed Russian collusion, Russian collusion, or possibly now, not just Russian collusion, but um, Rudy Giuliani on the Hunter Biden laptop. This is Congressman Dan Goldman, also the guy who said that Trump should be eliminated. Uh, take a listen. You have no idea. You know you hard drives can that be it's a manipulated. Are you suggesting the New York Post participating in a conspiracy to construct the contents of the Hunter Biden laptop? No, sir. The problem is that hard drives can be manipulated by Rudy Giuliani or Russia. Well, what's the evidence that that, that happened? What's well, there the is actual evidence of it, but the point is it's There's not no the evidence for it. So you're engaging in a conspiracy. I'm glad theory. you. It's you could say whatever you want. You could say whatever you want. You know what I mean? So it doesn't matter. It's still the Russians. It's still Rudy Giuliani, even though we know the Hunter Biden laptop's real. Hey, let's just throw the word Russia out there. That's all you have to do is just throw the R word out. And then that's it. Russia. All right. A lot more to talk about. My buddy Tudor Dixon, you know, she ran for governor of Michigan and I've been on Fox News with her a few times and also on the radio together on her Tudor Dixon podcast. She's terrific. She'll be my guest straight ahead. We have 30 minutes of nonstop talk for you straight ahead. Don't go away. Rich Zioli, weekday afternoons, 3 to 7, Talk Radio 1210, WPHT, and on the free Odyssey app. WOGL HD3, Philadelphia. From the Cherry Hill Volvo Studios, where relationships matter. Always live on the free Odyssey app. The revolution will be broadcast. This is the next generation of talk. Now, this is the drive at 5. 30 minutes of non-stop talk with Rich Zioli. You know, there's breaking news today. The Attorney General of Texas, Ken Paxton, is suing Pfizer. That's right. This is a big darn deal. He's suing Pfizer over misleading claims about the COVID vaccine and for their censorship operation. It's a very, very big deal. Welcome back to the show. Glad you're here. 855-839-1210 on Twitter at Rich Zioli. And my guest tomorrow is going to have an exclusive interview with the Attorney General of Texas, Ken Paxton. So let me welcome to the show the host of the Tudor Dixon podcast, my friend, Tudor Dixon. Hello. How are you? Hello. Good. Thank you for having me. Well, you've had me on your podcast twice, uh, which is phenomenal. And I feel like I've been a bad friend because I haven't invited you on my show. So I'm trying to make up for it. (laughs) Uh, I see. I see. Yeah, I know. I was feeling I was not feeling the love from you. I know. I'm sorry. It's like if people invite you over to the house for dinner all the time, you never return the favor. You never even drop off food for them. I feel like that guy right now. And as an Italian tutor, this is very difficult. I'm in an uncomfortable place. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> That's so, all right. I forgive you. I appreciate that. Tudor and I first met backstage at Fox News in the green room before we went on Saturday night with Jimmy Fallon, and we had more fun joking around in the green room together as we hit it off than we probably did on the air. So uh, we it, did. It was really fun. It was really easy to be back there, and it was easy because we had no one watching what we were saying, and we could say anything. So things could get rough here. <laughs> well, don't worry. We have the sensors and the monitors in the back, so don't worry about it. All right, so you got Ken Paxton coming on tomorrow on the Tudor Dixon podcast. That's a that's a big get. This is a this is a major deal that the state of Texas is suing Pfizer, I think. Yeah, it is. And that was one of the the questions was how can this be possible? And so it'll be for all of you who are wondering, because we've all been told, well, there's this federal law that prevents anyone from suing Pfizer. Please tune in because he goes through it. He explains it. I think that depending on how this goes, there will be other opportunities for people who feel like they have been wronged by the pharmaceutical companies through the COVID pandemic to be able to have some sort of recourse based on what he's telling me in this podcast. Yeah. And and this is the thing, right? We've seen the censorship up close and personal. We've seen the lies from these people and they get a complete pass for everything, Tudor. And uh, I don't know why that's okay, because a lot of co- if a company sells a product and they are not truthful about that product and the claims that, that product makes. Matt, I sent you the clip. Let me play for you. This is the CEO of Pfizer who was going on about how his vaccine had 100 uh, percent efficacy. This is the Pfizer CEO, Albert Borla. Take a listen. Uh, and we know that um the three, the two doses of the vaccine offer very limited protection, if any. The three doses with a the booster, they offer reasonable protection against hospitalization and deaths. Uh, in, in against deaths, I think very good, um, and less protection against uh, infection. Now we are working on a on a new version of our vaccine, the 1.1. Let me put it that way, that uh, will cover Omicron as well. And, uh, of course, uh, we are waiting to, to have the final results. The vaccine will be ready in March. Okay, Tudor Dixon, this is, this is the kind of thing that we got to get to the bottom of. Because, come on, you, we know that these guys were telling lies. That is exactly what we have to get to the bottom of. And that is what we have people like Attorney General Ken Paxton for, because he is... Well, he is the the attorney, the attorney general who has sued the Biden administration the most times. And now he is going after these pharmaceutical companies who we feel have misled the public. And and that will the beauty of that is it will bring out that information to see if truly they have misled the public and what the data actually is, because when I've talked to scientists who are researching this they're at big universities they say they cannot get their hands on the data they just are unable to get these pharmaceutical companies to release what really they know behind the scenes so do they know that they have any efficacy so so much i mean we're being told we were at one point being told 95 percent. you're talking about 100 percent. what is the truth did people get vaccines and then get covid two two weeks later because they they didn't actually have any efficacy whatsoever. That I, That's what we want to know. I believe that's what Ken Paxton will be getting to the bottom of. He will give you all of the details on exactly how he's going to do that and how other people can look at this from a different standpoint than the federal law tomorrow on the podcast.
Okay, wonderful. Excellent. We'll look forward to that. So, Tudor Dixon, you ran for governor of Michigan, and uh, you should have won because, obviously, if you had won, Michigan would be in a much better place. Instead, the tyrant Gretchen Whitmer won, and she just signed into law some of the most extreme environmental laws that, uh, that, that are hitting our country right now. And, and the damage that, that she has done, I mean, the damage she did during COVID. My favorite, though, was when her husband, this is my favorite COVID story. I have a lot of them, but remember when her husband went to try to get his boat in the water at that marina? Of course. Yes, because no one else could. But, you know, Queen, <laughs> and he, Queen and he dropped Whitmer the whole, can do like, whatever you know, she wants. Yeah, it was the, the whole, you know, you know who I am? I'm the first man of Michigan. Get my boat in the water. And people I mean, were like, actually, we do know who you are, and that's exactly why you won't get your boat. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, it's great to uh, great to have you on the show. Tell me about what, um, what the tyrant Gretchen Whitmer has signed into law here. So this is pretty remarkable because in the state of Michigan, you have to understand that in the Midwest, Michigan has the – most expensive energy in the entire Midwest and probably the least reliable. So we have had last year in the middle of winter, we had almost two weeks of some counties not having any energy, any power whatsoever. And and she went on vacation and people were going, how is she leaving the state when they have people, we have people in the snow out of power. And, and let's remember that we go nearly to Canada. So we border Canada. And so we get to the point where we're in pretty cold weather, but she has decided now that she is going to have a, by 2040, we are going to be 100% clean energy, renewable energy. So that means no more gas, no more coal. We're going to be completely reliable on renewable energy, but it's, it's even more radical than that. I mean, if that's not radical enough, the state right now, I think we have about 13%, around 13% renewable energy. By 2030, she says, this new bill says the state has to be at 50% renewable energy, 60 by 2035, and 100% by 2040. It's all, it, it is impossible. 100%. It's not only impossible, it's dangerous. Yeah, yeah. I mean, a hundred percent. That's insane. This is not even normal. I let me ask you. My my theory here is that, and we, you and I have talked about this before on your podcast, that Joe Biden they're looking for a replacement, and I think that she is trying to audition here, just like Newsom is, just like Murphy is. She's trying to to audition here, and so in order to do that, you got to present yourself as the biggest leftist of all of them, right? So I mean, you got to you have to out left all the others. Exactly. She has to be the biggest radical. Remember, this is all happening four years. This begins four years after she's out of office. Now, in addition to this, she has her administration came out and said they don't expect any job growth in the state of Michigan until 2030. So maybe once we're starting to get jobs, then all of a sudden we're going to have no energy. And honestly, that is a really a really big danger here because we're talking about wind and solar. That's it. They've said that nuclear doesn't count in this deal, by the way. So if nuclear doesn't count, you are solely talking about solar and wind energy. Now, you have to take farmland to do that. They are talking about taking over 200,000 acres of farmland to put windmills and solar power panels on. There is a point where the benefits do not outweigh the costs. And in the state of Michigan, we are there. This is it. These are not benefits. When you think, and I don't know if you've ever noticed, Rich, but those 
darn solar panels don't work incredibly well when they're covered in snow. Well, right, exactly. Yeah, this snow tends to be a problem for them, Tudor. And let me tell you, I'm in West Michigan, and I am not. I'm not northern. I am like close to Southwest Michigan, and on. Halloween, we had eight inches of snow on Halloween. So in the state of Michigan, we are pretty good to be able to say there are areas of Michigan that will have snow from September through May. And she's going to put a bunch of solar panels on. So are the jobs that we are actually creating for 2030 just a bunch of solar panel sweepers? Are they just going to be out there shoveling snow off of solar? Like, and how do you do that? What do you how do you connect yourself to something that you don't slide off of these solar panels? What is the trickery that she has up her sleeve that's going to get all the snow off of these that's going to power the whole state? And let me remind you that at one point we were considered one of the manufacturing hubs of the entire United States. And to manufacture, I know this because I come from a steel foundry myself, to manufacture products, there is one key element you cannot leave out, and that happens to be energy. Mm-hmm. Tudor Dixon's with me. We're talking about the uh, tyrant Gretchen Whitmer in Michigan and what she signed into law, these extreme environmental bills, which are very similar to what's been signed into law in New Jersey by Phil Murphy and California by Gavin Newsom. Again, now, give me your, your take on this. We've talked about Newsom before. Uh, he's dying to run for president. This debate tonight with him and DeSantis, I mean, this is really his chance to show everybody he's just a moderate tutor. He's not an extremist. I think it's going to be Newsom's angle tonight. That, of course, with his beautiful quaffed hair. How much, was it pomade? I guess he probably uses pomade or maybe it's just pure (laughs) actual crude oil at this point. I'm not quite sure. But if you notice, not even a single I don't know if that's environmentally friendly. (laughs) The carbon footprint of Gavin Newsom's head is like 38,000 tons or something something i'm sure it's like seal blubber from seals that were naturally (laughs) dying let's face it this is not he did not use any type of oil or artificial product in his hair this is his chance this is his chance to come out with his seal blubber and tell everyone how moderate he is but we know he's going to do this and he's slick and he's believable i will give him that when you listen to him you're like oh that sounds nice he's going to be tough on crime now Thank you, Gavin. Try it. Please try it. He will tell you to your face, I think we should immediately prosecute these people that are ripping off all of the stores in San Francisco. And yet every day they just completely raid them and nothing happens. He is a he is he will tell you one thing to your face and his actions say something totally different. However, the Democrats in California are mad at him because these latest this latest batch of bills that went to him that were pretty radical, including environmental stuff and crime bills, everything that was really radical, he actually vetoed. So he's preparing for this. His little trip to China, his vetoes, going on Fox for a debate. I mean, come on. Could anything be more transparent? How often do you see Democrats going on Fox? Um, Never. So now he's like, you know what? Let me just take DeSantis. And, and this is... This is really the Hail Mary for the DeSantis campaign because things have unfortunately been going very poorly for him. And if this, if Gavin Newsom crushes him tonight, then, you know, that he, he this is either the end for Gavin or this is either the end for Ron DeSantis tonight or he sh- outshines Gavin Newsom in such a way that people start turning their heads again toward him.
You know, that's I don't a know. great. Yeah, that's a great point you mentioned. I mean, DeSantis has a lot on the line here. His campaign is fledgling. You've seen the same stories I have that the Republican establishment is now pushing uh, Nikki Haley. All the the, the the donor class and and the you know the hacks in the party are now behind her. Uh, they're kind of you know pushing him aside. So yeah, I mean th- this this could be a spectacular finish, uh, not so spectacular, but to his campaign if this is not handled well. And I got to tell you, I mean Newsom, I can't stand the guy but he's very good on his feet he's slick and he he's as he has that little smile thing he does and let's face it i'm i'm a confident enough straight male to say it he's a pretty damn good looking guy so he's got it i don't know if uh, you know i mean he's charismatic. I'm a man. I can admit. that's the, that's the thing about gavin newsom he's charismatic there's something charming about him i hate that i'm saying this out loud but it's just true he has a certain charm that has been the criticism of Ron DeSantis the entire time he's running. And, and the rec- you're not running on your record. The politics is different these days. Everyone sees you constantly. Your, your photo is out there. The videos of you are out there. And one place that Ron DeSantis has not really shown is in these debates. He's He's sharp. He's smart. He's saying the right stuff. But there's just nothing that is drawing people to him and saying, man, I just want to go out and have a beer with that guy. The fear is that Gavin Newsom tonight has people eating out of his hands and saying, I mean, maybe it would be interesting to go to the French Laundry. I bet that he'd be a fun guy there. I mean, we wouldn't even have to wear masks, you know? (laughs) Right. And you get a table every time. Every time. Exactly. Uh, Tudor, where can people find your excellent podcast? And again, tomorrow, the uh, breaking news, Ken Paxton, the attorney general of Texas, will be Tudor's exclusive guest about his new lawsuit against Pfizer for misleading the public about vaccines and also for censoring people. Where can we listen? Yes, it's the Tudor Dixon podcast. Go to the iHeartRadio app. You can go to Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcast. You can go to the you can go to TudorDixonPodcast.com or just Follow us on X, and we're going to be putting out a link to it, and we'll put out some clips as well. And what I would say is, if you missed the two times I was on with Tudor, we did a long-form interview both times, and it was a lot of fun. It was great. So go back and listen to that. Pull up the archive. You know what I'm talking about, the old archive? (laughs) It was a lot of fun, and it is really funny, and you'll get to know a lot more about Rich that you probably didn't want to know. (laughs) Tudor Dixon, thanks, my friend. We'll look forward to hearing your interview with Ken Paxton tomorrow. Have a great night. Thank you so much. It's the 5 o'clock happy hour. Happy hour. Brought to you by the Oceanfront Grand Hotel of Cape May. Save 15% on midweek stays, Sunday through Thursday. Now till December 31st. Just mention the promo code Zioli at GrandHotelCapeMay.com. All right, uh, 855-839-1210. A lot of things to chat about. Um, Kamala Harris, I was just watching her dodging questions on regulating TikTok, dodging it, trying to dodge it. Speaking of, uh, of political hacks, you know, Tudor made a great point, which is that Gavin Newsom tonight is going to sound like he's tough on crime. Uh, yesterday, I played you the clip of the mayor of Chicago who was blaming crime on Republicans' refusal to accept the results of the Civil War, as if it was a football game or something like that. All right. Well, here's Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez during a teletown hall meeting earlier this week. And the reason why people are fleeing New York City, okay, New York City, it's not the crime, it's not the schools, and she's not completely wrong here about this. But she's just leaving out a lot of other things. 
But people are leaving New York and they're going to places that are cheaper. But that's because those places are run by Republicans and they also have good schools and they are also safer. So all of those things are also happening. Cut number six. Why is the only conversation in the room cuts and why is there no conversation about revenue raising? And now you might hear some people say, well, it's because we're going to push the wealthy out of New York City and they're going to move out. We have actually seen that the data does not support that. There have been people who move out of New York City. But guess what? The people who are moving out of the city are not are not by and large the wealthiest people. They're the working class that can't afford to live here anymore. They can't afford to live here anymore. That's true. They can't afford to live here anymore. Uh, Yeah, it's exactly right. That's because it's run by Democrats. It's run by Democrats. Oh, speaking of Democrats, I want to ask a question. Matt DeSantis, let me ask you this. Uh, They're charging Donald Trump with denying the results of the 2020 election, right? Isn't that like basically the, the summation of the charges? Yeah. Yeah. Like he's not, he didn't accept the results. He thinks that he actually won and Joe Biden didn't win. Is that mm-hmm. like, a fair, like a fair assessment? That's fair, yes. All right. But he's facing federal charges for that. Correct. Right. But, he, but those are just thoughts and ideas. Yes. He didn't actually do anything, right? He just said things? No, but in their mind, that was enough. But he just believed something. Yes, exactly. So like, like, I believe I'm Batman. I'm clearly not. <laughs> I can't even hang a freaking picture. So can I get prosecuted for just believing something? I, I mean, you shouldn't be uh, prosecuted, no. It would be a violation of uh, your First Amendment right. But can you be in this country? You can be is what we're learning, yes. All right, so then my question to you is this. Why isn't Kamala Harris getting charged with a crime? <laughs> I think I know where you're going with this. Should I, should I play the clip? Uh, yes, cut number seven. <laughs> Russia interfered in the 2016 election, targeting specific groups of Americans with dis and misinformation, with an intention to undermine the American people's confidence in our institutions. Russia interfered in the 2016 election. Democrats are still denying, they're still using Russia as the excuse. I mean, can you believe this? Russia. Russia, Russia, Russia. Uh, and you're allowed to say it. You, you're allowed to say it. But if you say that the voting machines were tainted or if you say that there were people who were cheating in drop boxes or you say any of those things, you could be facing federal charges. Say Russia interfered in the 2020 election. Eh, that's fine. That's acceptable. In fact, it's still encouraged. Actually, it's encouraged. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, I, you realize something right now. <clears throat> yeah, Stacey Abrams and her supporters, they still get a free pass, right? Has she ever conceded that she lost the race for governor of Georgia? There's a famous, I think it's got to be an eight-minute clip of her basically never conceding that she lost in either of the gubernatorial races. Well, I, I shouldn't say that. The first gubernatorial race, to be clear. Um, do you have it by chance? Uh, I can find it. I, I right, think good. we have it in the archives. Yeah, let's see if we can pull it up in the archives. Again, this is the double standard, right? Democrats are allowed to go out there and deny elections. Democrats are allowed to say whatever they want. They don't get in trouble for it. Republicans go out there and they question the election results and they they face federal prison time. It's such a the double standard in this country is just absolutely insane. But I'm telling you right now, like, for example, I'll give you this in Arizona. An election official who refused to canvass election results just got indicted by a grand jury. 
The indictment marks a rare instance of criminally prosecuting people connected to the vote canvassing being dragged out last year in six Arizona counties. There's a lot of funny business that went, went on in Arizona in 2016 and also when Carrie Lake ran for governor. A lot of funny business. Officials in a rural Arizona county who delayed canvassing the 2022 general election results have been criminally charged. A grand jury in Maricopa County Superior Court has indicted Cochise County Supervisors Peggy Judd and Tom Crosby on one count each of conspiracy and interference of an election officer. The repeated attempts to undermine our democracy are unacceptable, said the Arizona Attorney General Chris Mays. I took an oath to uphold the rule of law. My office will continue to enforce Arizona's election laws and support our election officials as they carry out the duties and responsibilities of their offices. Now, it's a rare it's a rare instance of criminally prosecuting people connected to the vote canvassing. I guess it was dragged out last year in six Arizona counties. And in, in December, uh, the Cochise County certified election the results, but only after a judge ruled that Crosby and Judd, both Republicans, were breaking the law by refusing to sign off on the vote count by the deadline. See what I mean? They're Republicans, so they get prosecuted. They're Republicans, they get prosecuted. Their argument is that they weren't satisfied that the machines used to tabulate ballots were properly certified for use in elections. That was their that was their that's their argument. But if you're a Democrat, it's fine. You you can you can pull this crap, no problem. Jersey, this stuff happens all the time. Votes will come in like months later. They'll be like, oh, well, we got the election results wrong. <laughs> what are you gonna do? Hey, look at these mail-in ballots that just fell out of my pants. That is that a mail-in ballot? And they're just happy to see me. Like a lot of mail-in ballots. But you're Republicans and you argue that the machines are tainted, the machines have problems and you refuse to certify the results, you're an election official, then they'll prosecute you. This is, this is the double standard. This is the difference. One of, one of the people said, uh, who's been charged here said, I don't feel like I broke a law, but obviously the courts had different feelings. If they were Democrats, they could have kept that election open until they had the number of votes that came in. Look, you know as well as I do, and we've talked about this, there's a number of elections in Pennsylvania where the Republican went to bed leading and woke up and lost the race because mail-in ballots were opened. I mean, really, went to bed a winner, woke up a loser. Because in Pennsylvania, for example, they, they decided, all right, so the law says ballot has to be signed, dated, but eh, you know what? It really doesn't have to be signed and dated because if it's not signed and it's not dated, but you're voting for the right people, eh, we're going to let you do it. And you go, yeah, but the law says the ballot has to be signed and dated. Eh, yeah, but, you know, we got wiggle room and whatnot. Wiggle room, it's a democracy. So, uh, yeah, you know, things is wiggle. And you, you turn around and you go, I, I don't, I don't, I, I, it makes no sense. The law is very clear. If somebody sends in a ballot, it's called a, a naked ballot that it don't have, they didn't sign it, they didn't date it. And even if there were no postmarks on it, and no postmark indicates it wasn't mailed. Like, this is the thing I love. I remember this about 2020's election in Pennsylvania, like it was yesterday. The Supreme Court of Pennsylvania said that ballots can be accepted if they, if they have a postmark uh, that's ineligible like you couldn't read it, or no postmark at all. That's just basically saying, hey, just walk over and hand in ballots. They don't even have to have a postmark. So just bring them to us. How many do you need? And that's what happens. Of course it's what happens. Somebody calls up and goes, hey, Johnny, hey, how many votes to put uh, you know, Frankie's cousin over the top? What do you need? 40? 50? All right, I'll bring you 75. We'll call it even and 
And then next thing you know, the Democrat wins again. And then you, what you would do, and a, a sane person would turn around and go, there's not a postmark on this. How can you say these are late-received bail ballots? There's no postmark. When things go through the United States postal system, it leaves a mark. It leaves a mark. It's called a postmark. How can you turn around and tell us that this went th- and you go, yeah, well, that's the funny thing, you know. Sometimes when these things go through the mail system and whatnot, the guy forgets to stamp them. I mean, you know, ah, it's the craziest freaking thing, but they're busy. They got letters to Santa and uh, catalogs. So, you know, they might miss a stamp, but it's all good. It was mailed. Oh, it was? Yeah, I got the guy that I got just got out of the box like five minutes ago. Mailbox right there. You got it out of that mailbox. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just right, right, right now. Just opened it up. Do you have the keys? Can you open it up and let me see? No, I don't have. I don't mean I don't have them on me. I mean, I, I just, I opened them up. I went. I, I took a leak. I, I put them back in my lock. Came back, and then I brought you the ballots. But no, it's all good. They were in the mail. Really. That's. I mean, that's. I'm not exaggerating. Like, that's what happens. That literally happens. Here's Stacey Abrams with a montage of her denying the election results. I can't wait till she's indicted by a federal grand jury. Uh, take a listen. I do have one very affirmative statement to make. We won. But I didn't lose. I got the votes. But we won't know exactly how many because of how they cheated. I did win my election. I just didn't get to have the job. We were robbed of an election. Just using the word rigged, using the word steal, do you think it's dangerous going into 2020? I, I don't, because we can actually back it up. And so in response to what I believe was a stolen election, and I'm not saying they stole it from me, they stole it from the voters of Georgia. Back to someone outside asked if I'm ever going to concede. The answer is no. This is not a speech of concession. Because concession means to acknowledge an action is right, true, or proper. And I will not concede because the erosion of our democracy is not right. People are like, man, they're going to steal your election. It was not a free and fair election. I think the election was stolen from the people of Georgia. I believe it was stolen from the voters. Thousands of Georgians had their voices stolen because they were not able to cast ballots. And they cannot be guaranteed that their votes will be counted in 2020 if we don't do this right. If what happens to you happens nationally and we we see uh, whoever runs for, whoever wins the Democratic nominee, if they say, actually, I can prove that there's a number of votes in every state that, that and, the, and the, the same thing that you just described happens in multiple states, should they concede? I do not think we should concede an election until we know the results of an election. I still fundamentally believe it could be fair. And that's just not how life works. If it looks like it's cheating, it probably is. If it looks like it's rigged, it probably is. We've been raised to believe that it is invalid, in fact, it's uncouth. I said that the election was stolen from anyway. I think you get the point. Uh, 855-839-1210 on Twitter at Rich Zeely. So I can't wait for her to face federal charges for all those things she just said. I imagine she's going to be indicted at any moment. By the way, some breaking news. Dr. Anthony Fauci, Asanto Fauci, Anthony Fauci, the nation's leading infectious disease doctor, you always have to say that by law, is going to testify to the Republican Oversight Committee on COVID lab leak and gain of function research. I'll give you a little detail into that. Plus, Donald Trump can actually win the general election. There's a story from Politico about that that I'm going to share with you. And you will never, ever believe what they're slamming an actress over 
it's another example of woke gone crazy. I'll give you that too. And a question for you. Um, the shoplifting problem in America, the, the, the shoplifting epidemic in America, what do you do if you're a worker? We know we've talked about stores writing off billions in dollars in stolen goods. We've talked about how stores are closing. But what do you do if you're a worker and you're consistently subjected to an unsafe environment that puts your physical safety at risk? I'll tell you what you do straight ahead. But first, as we continue along here on a very, very busy what are we? It's uh, thir- is it really Thursday? This week has flown by. Oh, that's great. Great news. Okay, that means that we are one day closer to the weekend and one day closer to firing up that grill and putting on some Omaha steaks, baby. Omaha steaks. It's great. I mean, Omaha Steaks is the absolute best. There is no doubt in my mind that five generations of this family business has meant everything in terms of their commitment to quality. Use my name, Zioli. You're going to get an extra $30 off your order. They age their steaks 28 days, to a minimum of 28 days. And and really realize when I tell you that that aging of a steak uh, does something very special for it. It really does. And those low-energy steaks you get in the grocery store, they're not aged 28 days. I doubt it anyway. But Omaha Steaks, every steak, aged 28 days, then it's flash frozen, vacuum sealed, and sent right to you. Even the process ensures the steak is going to be absolutely perfect and doesn't get any water, anything. That's per- it's just perfect. And if you sous vide it, you can throw it right into with the bag, just throw it right in the sous vide. Throw it on the grill, a little Omaha steak seasoning. Everybody on your list will say thank you. I'm telling you, nobody returns steak. When was the last time you ran into somebody and said, yeah, you know, I got steaks for Christmas, but pff, I took them back. I didn't want steaks. I mean, you know, if you know that the people on your list like steaks or if they like seafood or if they like chicken, because Omaha Steaks has it all. Restaurant-grade burgers, hot dogs, chicken. They've got comfort meals, easy to prepare for during the week. And, of course, the absolute best steaks from America's heartland, aged 28 days, like butcher's cut filet mignons. Oh, delicious. So go there right now, omahasteaks.com, 50% off site-wide savings. Minimum order may be required. And when you use my name, Zioli, when you check out, first of all, they know that I sent you. And number two, you get $30 off your order. So Z-E-O-L-I. OmahaSteaks.com, promo code Zioli. Tacovis is a terrific boot brand, and they're bringing a fresh perspective to heritage boot making. So they've carried forward all the time-honored traditions and quality you find in a great pair of cowboy boots. But they've innovated on comfort, style, and service. As someone who tries to pursue a minimalist lifestyle, I highly value quality over quantity. And I'm telling you, you can't find a higher quality boot than Tacovis. Their Western boots for men and women are handmade, Handmade from the most premium leathers with over 200 time-honored individual steps. Also, did I mention that they are Austin-designed, Texas-tested, and handmade down in the boot-making capital of the world, Leon, Mexico. And also, if you've ever wondered if you can pull off cowboy boots, which is something that I was thinking, you should pull on a pair of Tacovas, and you'll see. Just do a quick search for Tacovas on social media and you'll see how adorably styled these boots can be. Visit tacovas.com, that's T E C O V A S.com, and point your toes west. As we turn the corner into the new year, a lot of people are looking to get healthier. That includes Hero Bread, who have just launched their new recipe using heart healthy olive oil. Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, 
Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. All with no compromise on the taste, texture, and bready goodness you expect from your favorites. Now they're listening to their fans and updating their recipe with olive oil, an antioxidant-rich oil that's been shown to reduce cholesterol and minimize the risk of heart disease. Try it today with code HERO10 for 10% off your purchase at HERO.CO. That's code H-E-R-O-10 for 10% off at Hero.co. This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. We expected someone else. So what exactly is the show about? Hmm, I don't know. It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball. And baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. We have some of the best voices come on and explain what matters or what makes an upset, like Ryan does, (laughs) nine over eight. No, that's not an upset. No, yeah, it is, Bob. And if you're lucky, I might just tell you about my search for discounted sleep pants or my worries about what my dog just ate. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Zioli Show, on your schedule, from Talk Radio 1210 WPHT in the free Odyssey app. All right, so, today was a special day for a good friend of mine, by the way, who served the people of South Jersey with distinction for 28 years as a police officer in Cinnamonson, New Jersey, uh, rising to the rank of captain. And today was his final day on the job. So I want to thank my friend, A.J. Andrew Johnson, Cinnamon and Police Department captain, for 28 years of distinguished service to the people of Cinnamon and the surrounding communities. You are a great guy. You are a hero. And we thank you for your service, my friend. Enjoy retirement. You've earned it. You deserve it. And you and your beautiful family will have a great time spending time together, making memories and I look forward to toasting you for 28 years of distinguished service, Captain Andrew Johnson of the Cinnamonson Police Department. And, of course, I would have to say his badge number. I'd be remiss if I did not. 2049. Of course, you have to do that when you're a cop. You got to make sure. I mean, I'm not a cop, but when you are giving recognition to an officer, you better make sure you do that. In this case, Captain, farewell. Good job. And uh, glad you finished your last shift safely very very important to do all right as we continue on the show today let me uh bring up a couple things now first of all there's a gag order on donald trump again today and appeals court has reinstated a gag order in the trump fraud case judge arthur engeron issued the gag order after trump lashed out at a staffer so the i've told you before you know the first amendment is completely under attack in this country there is no freedom of speech we are we have the censorship uh, committees that are going after us all the time taking down what we say and putting up their own message constantly all the time doing that and now if you are charged by the government of your state or by the federal government with a crime you can't even speak out about it you can't even talk about it you, I mean, the, the, look, the Fifth Amendment gives you the right not to say anything, but there's nothing that says if the government charges you with a crime, you're not allowed to talk about it. It's up to you. I mean, it's not good legal advice. Many times people don't recommend it. You know, the old thing is if you get charged with a crime, shut up. Say nothing. Zip it and let the process work out and let your attorney handle it. But Donald Trump's different. He's running for president of the United States. He's a presidential candidate. So when he goes on town halls and forums and he gives speeches, he has to address this. There are people who are wondering if he's guilty. 
He needs to address it. And in this case, this is a hostile political prosecution of him, both in New York and on the federal level as well. A hostile political prosecution. And there's no doubt in my mind he has every right to speak out against it and to call these people out for what they're doing to him. First of all, these are public figures. This judge is an elected official. This judge ran for office. He's a public official. You give up your rights for people not to talk about you when you enter the public arena. You enter public life and then uh, all bets are off. People can talk about you now. And the federal prosecutor, the special counsel, Jack Smith, that guy is also a public figure. So the fact that Trump can't talk about this, can't blast these people who are prosecuting him under what? uh, Why? Why not? What's the reason? He made a joke that the law, I think the law clerk or the judge was dating Chuck Schumer, which, again, I mean, as women would be disgusted to ever be associated with Chuck Schumer. So I get it. Like, that's gross. It's disgusting to be, to, you know, and I feel bad for her that she people ever thought that she was with Chuck Schumer. But still, I mean, that doesn't exactly rise to the level of of, of telling people to go hurt her. And so they, they walk around and they gloss around under this guise of, well, his words could inspire somebody to do something. That's not the standard we use. The First Amendment's very clear. And you heard Michael Schellenberger talk about this earlier. Unless you are coming out and telling people to specifically do specific violence, the Supreme Court says you have the right to say these things. So I can say things like, let's take back our country. And, uh, but now they prosecute you for it. Like that guy who was outside the Capitol on January 6th, 2021, who was chanting 1776. For that, he's in prison. Or that guy who uh, put up a meme, you know, the meme that told Hillary supporters to text their vote. Yeah, that guy is in in jail for 60 days, 60 days of federal prison time. This is truly, truly a scary time we're living in. But, you know, Trump, look, he's running for president. So say I'm 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 an undecided voter. Say I'm a suburban mom. I identify as one, by the way. And my minivan is fabulous. Uh, say I'm a suburban mom. I keep hearing about how suburban women in outside of Philadelphia are going to decide this election. Every other day, there's an article about something that says suburban women voters are the key to 2024. Every freaking day. So, all right, I'm a suburban woman. I'm going to put myself in, in your shoes for a moment. And I don't like Trump. I don't like his tweets. I don't like uh, him personally. I find him to be vile. But when he was president, we didn't need an extra $11,400 a year just to be where we were when he was president. That story from CBS News yesterday says the average American needs $11,400 now, right now, to just have the same standard of living they had in January of 2021, okay? Now, I don't like Trump. I think he's vile. I don't like his tweets, but I really miss his policies. But they're charging him with all these crimes. So I don't know. I mean, do we want a guy who's crooked in office, even though I've heard them say that about Joe Biden, but Joe Biden is able to go out there and defend himself and Trump doesn't even talk about it. So maybe it's true. See, Trump has a responsibility and also a right to convince me, a suburban female voter outside of Philadelphia, that I'm innocent. This is a this is a government persecution. This is a political persecution by a prosecutor who's hell bent on getting me. There's I I didn't even do anything wrong. I I I did the same thing Stacey Abrams did and and Kamala Harris and all these other people. I just did not. I don't believe the election was the way they say it was. It's exactly what Hillary Clinton said after 2016. She said I don't think the election was the way it was. I think the Russians. I I think I won. That's it. And New York State, the attorney general literally ran for office saying that she was going to get me. 
She literally ran for office saying that she was going to get me. So come on, give me a break. He has a right to say those things to, to, to the core audience of voters, but this is why they do the gag order. They want to hurt him politically. This is all about hurting him politically. But the good news for him is, though, the lesser Cuomo uh, is considering voting for Trump. Yes, News Nation host Chris Cuomo, who's always trying, always trying to make news for himself. And the lesser has made some news this week because, well, his brother, you know, there's rumors that the LoveGov may run for mayor of New York. Uh, and so then that kind of brought the Cuomos back into the spotlight a little bit. So former CNN host Chris Cuomo appears to be open to voting for Trump over Joe Biden. Cut number nine. It's if it's Biden Trump. Look, for me, again, um, we survived a Trump administration. Uh, would we survive another one? Yes. Yes. I don't think there's any greater risk to America with him than with Biden. And for people who are now going to attack me and say, what are you talking about? Trump is like this crazy man. Well, look, you know, as Patrick says, the data is the data. Nobody was trying to kill us when Trump was president in a way that they're not now. If anything, there's more hostility. And you can have reasons for that any way you want. I'm just saying existentially, I'm not afraid of a Trump presidency. Um, Existentially, I'm not afraid of another Biden presidency because – Unlike many people in America, I believe he's such that a blowhard. The country is oh, much stronger. Hang than on any- a second here. Stop it for a second. He's such a freaking blowhard. Would you just get to the point? Would you just get to the freaking point? All right, keep going. Individual leader. Um, we survived the Russia thing. We survived January what Russia six. Thing? Stop we it. Stop it. What? 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 What's the Russia thing? What's the What's the Russia thing? The The run on vodka during COVID. Yeah, you know what? Yeah, I drank a lot of vodka during COVID. I admit it. Vodka clubs. All right. What's the Russia thing? What is he? I, I assume he's talking about Russia collusion, Matt DeSantis. I'm assuming that that's what he means. <laughs> I think he was talking about the same thing Kamala Harris referenced during her interview with Andrew Ross Sorkin. That the Russians interfered in the 2016 election. Exactly. Which, of course, now means that you're an election denier, which means you should be prosecuted. Right? We've established that standard, have we not? <laughs> All right, so the Lester Cuomo says the Russia thing. Do you think he's thinking about something else? Maybe, Matt, he's thinking about From Russia with Love, the uh, James Bond movie. Great James Bond movie. I actually watched that the other night. Did you really? Yeah. Now, I'm curious about that now. Why would you watch From Russia with Love? Like, what inspired you to watch that movie? Uh, I just Were they showing it in first class? That's the question I have immediately. <laughs> no, the first they... thing that comes to mind, was it a first class showing? No, I watched it on my own time. I don't know. I just felt like watching a James Bond movie and figured I'd go uh, with From Russia With Love. I contend that that is a top five all-time Bond film. Yeah, that's a good one. Maybe he's talking about that. Maybe he also agreed it was the best James Bond, one of the top five James Bond movies. I still think... Um, the next James Bond is going to be a freaking disaster. You know that you know it's it's over, right? It's got to be over. They're going to pick a loser. I mean, even if they pick somebody good, what are the chances that that person is better than no. Daniel Craig? I'd say very no. slim. It's going to be some beta male who's going to be like, "I don't like guns, you know. I don't like kissing women. I like being friends." Like the first thing the new James Bond is going to do is just want to be every girl's friend. <laughs> He's going to be like that guy in high school who was always in the friend zone. <laughs> Me. But <laughs> <laughs> Even with your uh, SCOTUS tapes? Yeah, it was surprising, right? Driving around, listening to Supreme Court or- oral arguments. It's hard to believe I was always in the friend zone. But Shocking. I know. I- I'm as shocked as you are. 
So back to the lesser here, uh, and maybe he'll get to his freaking point. Go ahead. Yeah, you got about 50 seconds to go, but we're getting there. It's painful, painful. Um, We survived the Russia thing. We survived Mm -hmm. January 6th. We survived having Biden as a gaffe machine. We survived uh, Congress uh, going after each other and doing nothing for the rest of us. We survived these things. Are we better for it? No. Uh, Should we be doing things differently? Yes. I think it happens. I don't know when. I don't even know why. But, you know, in terms of who I'm going to vote for, I would really have to see where we are at that moment in time. Uh, And So you're open to a Trump vote? I am always open. And I'll tell you this. People say, oh, bull****, you've never voted for a Republican in your life. Wrong. And not only have I, the first vote I ever cast was for a Republican. Wow. Really, that's that's uh, that, uh, we're all we're all so impressed by that. He's such a blowhard. Honestly, he thinks we're all supposed to be impressed that he voted for a Republican at some point. Who the hell cares who you voted for? But hey, here we are. All right, listen, Emmons Roofing and Siding, my great friends at Emmons, they do fantastic work. You know, Matt and Stephanie, they pride themselves on making sure they do an excellent job each and every time. The entire team at Emmons is like that. And I want to tell you something too. The house that we just moved out of. Emmons did a lot of great work on that house in the six years we owned it. And the first thing they did was the new roof, then the windows, the doors, and they remodeled our kitchen and bathroom because Emmons is now in the kitchen and bathroom remodeling side of the company as well, which is great because they do a fantastic job. We were thrilled with the work that Emmons did. And if you have a shore house too, I want you to think about something. Winter is coming. And if you have any even minor roof problems, it's going to cause you bigger problems during the winter and then when the warm weather comes. So reach out to Emmons today for a free inspection of your roof. You can go to the Emmons Design Showroom in Cherry Hill and see for yourself the great work they do. Or go to EmmonsRemodeling.com. Take a look at some of the remodeling projects that they've worked on. They do an outstanding job. The difference with Emmons versus other companies is their commitment to using the highest quality uh, materials and also the craftsmanship, the work, all of it. You will be happy. On time, on budget, they clean up when they're done. And I've been using them now for six years. They've already started some projects on my new home. I'm excited to share that with you as well. They already replaced some skylights for me. And tomorrow they're coming to do uh, some other work as well. So reach out to them. If I've trusted them all these years, you know you can trust them. Emmonsroofing.com. Emmonsroofing.com. Thanks for listening to the Seoli Show podcast from Talk Radio 1210 WPHT and the Odyssey app. By the way, you know what? I've always been a fan of Bradley Cooper as an actor. I don't know the guy's politics. I don't really care. Uh, He's very good as uh, Rocket in the Avengers movies, Guardians of the Galaxy. And he's a good actor. He's funny. Uh, and he's an Eagles fan. And he's a selfless Eagles fan as well. I hate ever playing clips of woke Howard Stern, but ignore the fact that, uh, oh, he's at the DNC convention. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure he's probably a lefty. I, like I told you, I don't really care. It doesn't change my opinion. I'll, if I want to watch a movie, even if the actors are raging lefty, I, don't, I leave my politics out of it for my own happiness if i enjoy it i'm watching it i don't care like i I think chris evans is a great captain america he and he probably would hate my guts i don't care i like the guy captain america i'm able to separate politics from everything i think you have to i think it's healthy to do so not everything has to be political not everything does you can disagree with somebody and still like their movies 
I mean, really, you can. It's okay. In fact, it's probably better for society if we could all just acknowledge that and and stop canceling each other just because we don't agree politically. That would be a good thing. By the way, here's Bradley Cooper, what he'd rather see happen. Uh, cut 13. Big question. And I really want you to answer this in a serious manner. Okay. Sophie's Choice for 2024. You win the Oscar, not only for Best Director, but Best Actor, and Carrie Mulligan wins Best Actress, or... The Eagles have a Super Bowl victory. What Eagles do you Super choose? Bowl victory. What? Wow. What? Eagles. You're lying I'm now, serious. aren't you? I think he's right. Super Bowl victory. Do we believe him? What's the consensus? I I 100% believe him because I'll, I'll, I'll be honest. Who cares about an Oscar anymore? It's a good point. That's a fair point, Henry Machette. That's like, a fair point. <laughs> Like, can, Rich, tell me, tell me this. Who won the Oscar for anything last year? Just any, any uh, award. The guy from Goonies. The kid from uh, Goonies that's won true. something. That's K- true. Yeah. K.E. Kwan, yeah. No, yeah. I posed that question to Matt DeSantis earlier today, and he couldn't give me an answer either. But I, uh, that is well, one. The only that reason I know that, Bo Henry, is because every year Dr. Maz does an Oscars party. Uh. It's a tradition. And I go over there and I, I participate. And DeSantis was there as well. And what I think we we came in the last two, right? Yeah, we were uh, second to last and dead last, and uh, I was not the one in dead last. I was. <laughs> we were in a competition for a Bottom while. Bottom two ain't two. Right, exactly. I was dead last, so I was the furthest from the winner. <laughs> but it's all right. That's the only reason I know the answer to that question. But if the Eagles win the Super Bowl, that matters more. I don't believe him. I think he wants an Oscar. Nah, banners fly forever. I don't believe him either, Rich. Yeah. He's lying. He wants an Oscar. Yeah, he, he absolutely does. wants that Oscar. Of course. We are going to be in the Super Bowl, though. I'm trying. I want to do something fun. I don't know if we can pull this off, but a, maybe a Super Bowl watch party. I do know we'll be at the Grand Hotel December 15th. So mark your calendar for that. We'll be at the Grand Hotel December 15th. Um, Harvard. I hate Harvard so much. I really do. And I hate every person who ever went there, with the exception of... Alan Dershowitz, because he teaches there. <laughs> he comes on the show and, and makes national news when he does. Anybody else? Nope, that's it. Nobody? <laughs> I literally hate everybody else who went to Harvard. Especially you. And if you were thinking I was going to give you a pass. I was hoping. Oh, yeah, no chance. When we get back, I'm going to tell you what Harvard is doing and why it is that the uh, the, the, the indoctrination schools, you got to just wonder, is this really a good move for your money and for your children? I'll tell you about that. Plus, James O'Keefe goes undercover to expose a Chinese-funded biolab, and Trump calls out left-wing lunatics pushing for a return to COVID. Big fourth and final hour straight ahead. Don't go away. Rich Zioli, weekday afternoons, 3 to 7, Talk Radio 1210, WPHT, and on the free Odyssey app. WPHT, WPHT, HD, WOGL, HD3, Philadelphia. From the Cherry Hill Volvo Studios, where relationships matter. Always live on the free Odyssey app. The revolution will be broadcast. Yes. This is the next generation of talk. Now, on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT, Rich Zioli. So can Donald Trump be president? Yes, it turns out he can. He actually can win the nomination for the presidency, and he can even win the general election. Welcome back to the show. Glad you're here. 855-839-1210. On Twitter, at Rich Zioli. Big hour straight ahead. But before I get into the latest thing, the Biden administration 
uh, does not support a permanent pause, it's saying, with uh, Israel and their efforts to rid the world of Hamas, who brutally attacked them on October 7th. However, they are trying to put conditions on Israel, but not not Ukraine. That Zelensky just gets a blank check. Whatever you need, pal. Whatever you need, because Zelensky has receipts and Israel doesn't. So that's the bottom line. Israel never bribed the Bidens and Ukraine did. So did China. That's why we never tell Ukraine what to do. We just keep giving them money. That's why we let China walk all over us. Because Joe Biden is corrupt and he's corrupted by those countries. We literally have a president who was made in China. He's, and he was for sale and they bought him and now they own him. That's what we have. But I want to begin this hour with something that just reminds me of why I wonder. Yeah, you know, like, I mean, is it worth sending your kids to college these days? It's something as a parent I think about all the time. My wife and I talk about it. You know, do we want to, you know, we, we put money aside for college, obviously. I can only imagine how expensive it's going to be by the time my kids get up there. And it'll be their decision. We'll try to guide them as parents as best we can. But, you know, you have to wonder. Uh, is it a smart move these days? Is it better to maybe go into a trade? Like my buddy Steve Travellini, who was over doing the plumbing. Like, I mean, he's he's a very successful guy. His business is great. And, you know, he's a t- terrific guy. He's very happy. Um, his daughter went to college and she's up in Columbia, I mean, in Connecticut working. Uh, it really depends on the person, I guess. I don't want to say it's a general thing. But then I hear stuff like this, and it makes me think maybe college is not exactly worth a lot of money. So uh, there is a course that's going to be offered at the elitist Ivy League University, Harvard. And uh, already at least 300 students have been uh, have enrolled into the, the class. Matt DeSantis, as the official Harvard alumnus of the Zioli show, the only one, uh, would you like to explain this for us? Uh, yes. So this is a uh, – I'll just go to the news report, but basically Harvard will be teaching a Taylor Swift course. It's supposed to be a literature course, so I'm not entirely sure how Taylor Swift's music ties into that. But uh, 300 students have already enrolled for it. So unless it's like a seminar class, that means they're probably going to have to write an essay explaining why they deserve to be in the class or there's going to be some sort of lottery. Um But yeah, here's the news report. This is from WCVB in Boston. If you're a Swifty, you'll probably like this course. If you're a fan of Taylor Swift and literature, you'll probably love it. You can learn a lot from Taylor Swift and earn credits for it this spring at Harvard. It's a literature course. And it has a lot of songs and songwriting. The course is the brainchild of Harvard English professor Stephanie Burt. It's called Taylor Swift and Her World and will focus on the songwriter's lyrics and creative composition and how they're connected to other page-based poets and authors. You know, William Wordsworth and Samuel Taylor Coleridge, who wrote some of their poems in the Lake District, which Taylor has visited and has a song about. The class is also a chance to study how Swift employs video, her social media, and stage presence, and even couture as vehicles for her art. News of the course is already blowing up social media. An estimated 300 students have already enrolled. I think it's really important to include popular music or culture into normal pedagogies to get students engaged, and I think that'd just be really fun. I think it would be really cool and to connect like different subjects to her music. At the end of the day, I mean, there's a reason people wanted to have a course on it, to have a discussion. I love that I'm you know, able to do this in a way that both gives people the chance to study and write about things they already love 
and maybe build some bridges to things they would not have otherwise encountered that they might also love. Students will be required to write papers, but they'll also be encouraged to express their impressions and analysis in more creative ways, like music videos. Well, that's about the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. So uh, what is pedagogy? What did she say? Pedagogy? <laughs> Pedagogy? Yeah, that, pedagogy. I said the same thing when she said it. I was like, what, what was that yeah. word she used? What, what, what the hell is pedagogy? It's sort of like the theoretical concept of, um, of learning. <laughs> I'm sorry. Wait, 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 wait. What did you say? I, Matt, can you be fair? Reach over. Um, I have to look Henry, up. reach over and punch him in the face for me since you're closer. Please don't. <laughs> oh, it'd be my pleasure. Henry's a big man. He could do a lot of damage. <laughs> Wait, 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 wait. So pe- pedagogy or pedagogy? Pedagogy. Pedagogy. Yeah. Okay. Uh, is it an alternative form of learning? Is that what you just said? No, no, it's not an alternative form of learning. It's like the study of learning almost. Oh. It's like, uh, so here's the exact definition. Uh, method and practice of teaching, especially as an academic subject. All right, so here's the question. Would you say, would you take this course? Oh, absolutely not. For numerous reasons. One, I don't. It's certainly uh, you're not going to get anything out of it. I I don't think. Even the the uh, professor's description of the course, just because Samuel Coleridge wrote about a, uh, uh, I think she had mentioned lakes. I, I'm not familiar with his writing, but because Taylor Swift visited that same location, you could somehow connect the two. That makes no sense to me. And then secondly, because it is such a large class, there is a chance that those students are going to have to write an essay explaining to the professor why they deserve to be selected to be in that class. And you don't want that. It's either going to be that or a lottery. So I imagine it'll be the essay because I think they could get enough people uh, suckered into like fighting for the spots. I mean, what would you even write? I'm the world's biggest Swifty? Like, how would you stand out? It's very unclear as to what this course is actually going to be about. It's a literature-based class, but I don't know. It didn't seem like there was much of a connection between Taylor Swift and um, and the the poets they were going to be discussing. Now, do you think that be uh, that Stephanie Burt, the biological male who identifies as transgender, uh, will be a, an, an easy teacher? If I were be if like if they say I was in the class, how do you would I leave the teacher a apple on? The desk. I don't, think, I don't think you'd do well in that class for numerous reasons. Yeah. Uh, mostly because you hate Taylor Swift. I imagine that won't be a popular opinion in class. Mm, true. It's Henry, good. would you take this class? No, absolutely not. <laughs> there's, there's definitely some other rubbish class out there that's along these same lines that I could probably take instead and about something I'd enjoy. It's undoubtedly yeah. going to be an easy A, though. Oh, 100%. I mean, you, you think so? Yeah, you'll have to jump through through hoops in order to get into the class um, just due to the, the size. But um, I'm guessing that once you're in there, you're getting a guaranteed A. Well, because there's, if I'm being honest, there is rampant uh, grade inflation on Harvard's campus to begin with. Basically, everyone gets an A. I think the average score at the school is an A-. minus, And I think it's because all the students there the, excuse me, the professors there don't want to hear complaints from the students over like a B or something. So pretty right. much everybody gets an A. Um, <laughs> and this class seems like a joke. So yeah, you, you're guaranteed a, uh, you're getting a 4-0 when you leave this class. <laughs> uh, speaking of uh, nonsense, by the way, you know, if you don't want to be, go to college, you could become a shrimp man, a shrimp f- fisher boat man. What, how do you say people that go in, and catch shrimp for a living? A fisherman? What would you call them? A what? A fisherman? 
I don't know, but, but I think you're shrimp like, boat Forrest Gump. A shrimp boat captain, that's right? What, yeah, that's what he says, right? Yeah. He's a shrimp boat captain, right? Shrimp fishery? I don't know. Uh, Red Lobster. I love their cheddar rolls that they have. Oh, Those amazing. cheddar, they're, they're the greatest, right? Cheddar biscuits, yeah. Oh, the best. Try to make them at home. It does not come out nearly the same. There's something about whatever grease, whatever chemical they use <laughs> that is so delicious you can only get there. They have lost a lot of money, though, Red Lobster. The uh, very, very popular seafood chain. They had something called Ultimate Endless Shrimp. It was a promotion which invited loyal customers to indulge in shrimp. All they wanted for 20 bucks. It was launched by the seafood chain's parent company, Thai Union, as a way to boost sales in restaurants. For more than 18 years, Ultimate Endless Shrimp remained a guest favorite deal at Red Lobster. So much so that the chain made it a permanent addition to its menu back in June. That ultimately led to major problems. The company said in its third quarter filings, more customers took advantage of the promo, which in turn led to Red Lobster's $11 million loss in the third quarter of 2023. On this promotion, we don't earn a lot of money. At $22, we don't. The idea was to bring some traffic. That's what happened. Wow. (laughs) That's a lot of shrimp. People ate a lot of shrimp. Whenever I see endless buffet or endless style um, offerings from restaurants, I view it as a personal challenge to make sure mm-hmm. that the restaurant loses money. So it comes as no shock to me that Red Lobster wasn't turning a profit on a, a $22 all-you-could-eat shrimp menu. <laughs> yeah. Uh, guests could choose unlimited garlic shrimp scampi, coconut shrimp, shrimp linguine alfredo, and plenty more. Hmm. Those all sound disgusting to me, particularly the... <laughs> Shrimp Alfredo. There's no way the shrimp Alfredo at Red Lobster is any good, but for $22, I'll scarf down as many plates as I need to. Well, that's how Olive Garden gets away with it, right? I mean, what is it? Endless salad and breadsticks, and that's what their scam is, right? Yeah, but that's not as good as endless shrimp. Well, that's true. My goal in life. Yeah, but but you know these things are going to be, there's not going to be a lot of shrimp in the dish. That's why it's not just, you can't just give me a plate of shrimp. I just keep bringing me plates of shrimp. They're, They're... what? You've never had the ultimate endless shrimp at Red Lobster? Before? I haven't been to Red Lobster in probably 20 years. Yeah, from what I, I haven't been there in a while, but from never what I, I can remember, they'll bring you a pretty decent portion initially. And then as you ask for more shrimp, they start to cut back. So your, your portion gets uh, gradually smaller. Olive Garden does that too. Um, but yeah, you can sit there and eat all day. <laughs> uh, wow, that sounds delicious. But now, they the thing about Alfredo is that in Italy, they don't use cream. That's a fugazi. But every time you go to a restaurant, these chains, and you order an Alfredo or any other kind of thing, they put so much heavy cream in it. And that's done on purpose, you know, because it's a fat, and so it fills you up faster. So that's why they do these things on these endless things. They try to make sure that you fill up quickly so you don't want any more. But obviously, it wasn't working for them since they lost $11 million. It's a lot of a lot of lost shrimp right there. You know what I mean? I have to keep that in mind next time I go to a Red Lobster. Avoid the Alfredo. That way I can consume more shrimp. And maybe you should avoid Pringles while you're at it, too, uh, here on the food segment of the Zioli Show. Veteran Ohio defense attorney Jack Blakesley suspended for pooping in a Pringles can that he dumped at a victim advocacy center. <laughs> He's a veteran criminal defense attorney. Been suspended for pooping in a Pringles can that he then dumped outside a victim advocacy center, admitting he regularly pulled such stinky stunts to blow off steam. His stomach 
churning habit emerges. He was suspended from practicing law for a year with six months stayed in a 13 page state Supreme Court opinion shared by Court News Ohio. I mean, you got to be you got to have some good aim to get into a Pringles can. <laughs> you, know, you know what I'm saying? That is so disgusting. I'm just I'm just saying, you know, <laughs> we should try to get that guy on the show. Yeah. Well, no. How about not? Are you getting the hookers on the show for me? Or the strippers? <laughs> they aren't hookers. They're uh, strippers. They're uh, exotic adult dancers. dancers. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm I had trying. hookers on the show years ago when the guy with the Bunny Ranch guy endorsed Trump. So I had him and some of his uh, his his working girls on the show back in 2016. The Bunny Ranch guy. And yeah, the guy who owns the Bunny Ranch. Yeah, he and the bunnies. There was bunnies for Trump, and they they came on the show, not in person, obviously, and they invited me to come to the brothel if I'm ever out that way. I, I said thanks, now. but I got a better you got a better chance of getting me in Red Lobster than you do in that brothel. But you know, I hate to break the news to you, but I'm pretty sure he's the. Didn't he win a local election and then die before he was sworn in? Was that the guy? I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Oof. So, Did I kill him? I <laughs> I, yeah, I don't. I, th- I don't know if that offer is still uh, still any good. But you were going to get on some uh, some 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 working girls, some dancers. I'm not working girls, but they're dancers. Because what is the what is the case here that we're talking about? Um, so that is a um, basically the city was trying to take the uh, the property from them, and it was in uh, uh, there was a big dispute as to I forget what I don't have the article in front of me, so I don't remember all the details. Um, but yeah, they were at risk of losing their property. The city claimed that they needed it in order to build a larger parking spot or parking spaces for City Hall or something. Anyway, the strippers were fighting back, and I thought it would be nice to have them on the show so they could tell their story. But they haven't gotten back to me, sadly. Oh, okay. Well, Evidently, that's a shame. They have we better things to do. I I wish that they could join us. Well, you know, but you know, if I had a good producer, he'd actually you know get it done. You can't even get freaking strippers on the show. I mean, I'm not asking much. I'm trying. It was my idea to have the strippers well, on the show. Make, Trust me, I'm as devastated as anyone. Make sure you call successful. them by their correct title, though, if you do get them on. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. Because you, <laughs> no, I, you're right. It's a good point. It's a very, it's you an immediately excellent point, went Henry. there to hookers, and I was like, uh, "That's I, well, I, I, you're right. You're right. Fair enough. That I don't want to dis- insult anybody. That's a good point." Uh, programming note tomorrow I'll be filling in on Fox Across America for Jimmy Fallon so you can listen tomorrow from 12 to 3 on the Fox News radio program which I, I believe is is heard on the Odyssey app so you can listen to it on the Odyssey app there'll be a replay or uh, I think a, a replay on Friday uh, possibly I'm not, or, or Saturday I, I believe or might maybe not I'm not sure but uh, either way tomorrow 12 to 3 if you want to tune in for that and then I'll tell you about some other stuff coming up, but I do want to make sure that you know we will be back at the Grand Hotel of Cape May, New Jersey, December 15th for our next live show. Maybe we'll have the strippers in person. You just never know. You never know how it's going to go. But one thing I can assure you is we will have a lot of fun, and the Grand Hotel is beautiful this time of year. Cape May is great for Christmas. It really is. It's gorgeous. It's all lit up. And we have just a, a wonderful time at these live performances. I mean, that's what they really are. They become live performances. You meet your fellow Zioli Army members. We have a great time. The hospitality of the Grand Hotel is wonderful. So it's Friday, December 15th, 3 p.m. to 7 p.m. Mark your calendar now and come out and see us. We're going to have a great time together. When we get back, uh, yes, Donald Trump can win. And yes, Donald Trump says left-wing lunatics are pushing for a return to more COVID restrictions. He's not wrong. And Anthony Fauci, Asanto Fauci, Anthony Fauci, the nation's leading infectious disease doctor. You always have to say that by law. 
He is going to testify in front of the House committee that is looking into the origins of COVID-19. That's going to be a big, big deal. Don't go away. The Zioli Show, on your schedule. From Talk Radio 1210 WPHT in the free Odyssey app. All right. Glad you're here today. 855-839-1210 is the number on Twitter. At Rich Zioli, thank you for being here on the show. So uh, I've told you about the new pneumonia that's sweeping through China. I told you how I think that China very likely unleashed COVID-19 on the world as a way to get rid of Donald Trump. And I also told you how now the CDC is saying that there's new new variants out there, new variants. Well, the former president made a great point regarding what the left is trying to do and This is what he said on his social media, cut number 11. The left-wing lunatics are trying very hard to bring back COVID lockdowns and mandates with all of their sudden fear-mongering about the new variants that are coming. Gee whiz, you know what else is coming? An election. They want to restart the COVID hysteria so they can justify more lockdowns, more censorship, more illegal drop boxes, more mail-in ballots, and trillions of dollars in payoffs to their political allies heading into the 2024 election. Does that sound familiar? These are bad people. These are sick people we're dealing with. But to every COVID tyrant who wants to take away our freedom, hear these words, we will not comply. So don't even think about it. We will not shut down our schools. We will not accept your lockdowns. We will not abide by your mask mandates, and we will not tolerate your vaccine mandates. They rigged the 2020 election, and now they're trying to do the same thing all over again by rigging the most important election in the history of our country, the 2024 election, even if it means trying to bring back COVID. But they will fail because we will not let it happen. When I'm back in the White House, I will use every available authority to cut federal funding to any school, college, airline, or public transportation system that imposes a mask mandate or a vaccine mandate. Thank you very much. All right, there you go. Uh, good. I mean, I'm, I'm glad because en- enough is enough. You know, enough is enough. It's like I told you yesterday, uh, I've said it before, but the extreme tyrannical impulses of politicians like Gretchen Whitmer and Phil Murphy and Gavin Newsom all came out during COVID. You know, maybe tonight when Sean Hannity has on Newsom and and DeSantis, it'll be interesting to see how Gavin Newsom, who's now trying to position himself for a general election, how he handles the fact that he was a hypocrite during COVID and also how he destroyed businesses and was was a tyrant. In a primary, a Democrat primary, the more of a tyrant you were during COVID, the better for your chances of getting the nomination. But in a general election, it's the opposite. So this is the problem that he's got to try to figure out. And I'll tell you something else, too. You know, whether it's Gretchen Whitmer, Phil Murphy, King Philip the Unaccountable, his royal rugness, or whether it is Gavin Newsom, they are all hoping that Joe Biden is not the candidate. They are all hoping that Joe Biden does not run. There's a story today that I've been teasing throughout the show today. By the way, Philadelphia is poised to pass a ski mask ban, a ski mask ban. And the measure has drawn criticism from some legal experts who say it could violate free expression rights and could be misused by officers stopping and frisking pedestrians. But they are poised to ban the wearing of ski masks in certain public spaces this week. It is uh, co-sponsored by 10 members, more than the majority needed to pass the bill. 
There are carve-outs for religious expression and First Amendment activities like protesting. It comes as the council has raised a handful of measures aimed at showing its responsiveness to constituent concerns, especially around crime and public safety. But the ski mask ban has nonetheless drawn criticism from some. Now, I feel like these this is one of those things where, okay, it sounds good in theory. But if you are a criminal, you're not going to abide by a ski mask ban no more than you're going to abide by the law. that says you can't have an illegal gun. So. Uh, you know, I, again, yeah, no, it, it, it makes sense. It sounds good to say you probably shouldn't be walking around in a ski mask, but criminals are, they'll wait and pull it down over their face before they go commit a crime. You know what I mean? It's not, it's not exactly going to be a panacea here. And I also do believe you have a right to hide your face if you're protesting. I do believe that. Or at least wear a mask or something. You don't have to let the government know you're protesting against the government. That's why you should be able to do it anonymously. But, you know, like, this is the thing. I mean, they, there were several shootings were committed by people in ski masks, all right? I, I don't know if the ski mask ban would have kept these people from shooting people. You know what I mean? I don't know if that would have worked. I don't know if a, a ski mask ban would have kept them from committing violence. It, 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 again, it, it sounds good. It, it's like, yeah, it's a simple remedy, but is it, you know what I mean? Is that really going to solve a lot of problems here? I think that people are, are, if they want to cover up their face to commit a crime, there's lots of ways to do it. Hell, they just have to wear an N95 and then walk around and say, I'm afraid of COVID. You don't have to say anything, you know? Uh, but criminals are going to do whatever the hell they want. I think the answer is to crack down on crime. That, I mean, that, it's to be tough on crime. And that's not going to change as long as Larry Krasner is the prosecutor in Philadelphia, the, the, the defense attorney, not a prosecutor, the defense attorney. That's the truth. You can ban ski masks, you can ban guns, you can ban whatever you want. It's not going to work because if you're not prosecuting criminals, it's not going to work. Law-abiding citizens will abide by this law like they abide by every other law. So they won't wear a ski mask if it becomes illegal. They won't wear a ski mask. If they're cold, they'll do something else to cover their face. Uh, But what will happen is criminals will then just not wear the ski mask until the last possible minute and then put it on and then then commit a crime and then, you know. Uh, take it off. The only way to actually deal with criminals is not to pass feel-good measures. It's to prosecute them and put them away. That's how you deal with it. And you give a great incentive or disincentive for people to commit crime because they know they're going to go to prison. So uh, Democrats are concerned about Biden's age and his poor polling. The story today about Trump that is from a very reputable far right wing site, Real Clear Politics. Just kidding. Real Clear Politics covers articles from all across the, the, the gamut of things. But this article was written by Sean Trendy. And he said there is a polling right now showing that Donald Trump is performing well in 2024. And 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 this is the big problem for the Democrats right now. Trump can win, not in a maybe if all the stars align and then Russia changes the vote totals way. Trump can just flat out win. As of this writing, Trump leads Biden by two point six percentage points nationally in the real clear politics average. This is Trump's largest lead to date, not for just 2024 ever. Put it in perspective. In 2016, Trump led Hillary Clinton for all of five days in the national real clear politics average. Each of those days in the immediate aftermath of the Republican convention. He led in 29 polls taken over the course of the entire campaign. 
10 of which are recorded in the Real Clear Politics averages as Los Angeles Times USC tracking polls. In 2020, Trump never led Biden in the real clear politics average. He briefly closed to within four points in early January of 2020, but that is it. He led in five polls all cycle, and that's it. Now, if you count the LA Times tracker as a single poll, Trump led in a total of 24 national polls. This cycle, he's led in that many since September. He's led in more polls in the past three weeks than he did against Biden in all of 2019 and 2020. Now, I know that we're all a little bit skittish on the accuracy of polling. True. But one thing that I think we can look at is state level polling, because I think that national polls can kind of be discarded. So let's look at state polling for a moment. In 2016, Trump never led in a poll in Wisconsin. He was never within more than three points of Hillary Clinton there in the state of Wisconsin. He led in a single poll in Michigan and a single poll in Pennsylvania. His lead in North Carolina never exceeded two points in the real clear politics averages, while in Florida, his largest lead was 1.2 points. Now, let's look at the difference in 2020. Trump led Biden in Florida briefly, In Arizona, same story. North Carolina was a little better for Trump. But in Ohio, Trump led in only six polls all cycle. He led in five polls in Pennsylvania and same in Michigan and basically same in Wisconsin. But if you look a little bit closer at the state polling today, Trump leads in the real clear politics average in Michigan for the first time ever. Pennsylvania, he leads for the first time ever. He narrowly trails Biden in Wisconsin, but has already led in almost as many polls as he led in the state in 2016 and 2020 combined. His 0.7% deficit compares to his previous best showing in the state, a 3.5% deficit in August of 2020. In Florida, Trump is led or tied in every single poll, including some double digits. Arizona, he leads by five. Georgia, he leads by six. Ohio, He leads by 10. In other words, if you analyze this election correctly, Trump can win. Those are all states that he can win. Ohio, Georgia, Arizona, Florida, Pennsylvania, and Michigan. That's game over. That's game over right there. That's the presidency. He doesn't have to win Wisconsin. That's the presidency right there. And Democrats know this. Democrats know this. He, if, he, if he wins those states, he's going to be the next president of the United States. Now, that's why they're such an effort to try to stop him. But think of Georgia for a moment. Trump has a, a, a six-point lead in Georgia. Georgia's coming after him. He's on trial in Georgia, and his poll numbers go up. Trump is the, the federal government goes after him. His poll numbers go up. The state of New York goes after him. His poll numbers go up. See, here's my theory, and I've told you this before. I think the Democrats believed that getting Trump as the nominee – was their best bet to keep the White House. And I think that they thought that if they went after Trump, he would get support and that he would wind up becoming the nominee. What they're freaking out about, though, is that now they're realizing he's not only going to be the nominee, he can win. And they are stuck with Joe Biden, who is a terrible, terrible candidate, who's out of his freaking mind. 
I think Democrats always wanted Trump to be the nominee. I think they thought it was going to be an easy walk in the park for them. That's what they thought. And as Joe Rogan said in his podcast, and I think I think he's spot on about this, the Democrats have no playbook. There's no cards to play. Trump wins unless they do something. This is what he said in his podcast. He was talking. Um, Matt, who, is he, who do you have on during this uh, clip? Do you remember? I'm not sure who the guest was. It wasn't someone I was familiar with. All right. Well, let's take a listen. Cut eight. Thank I God. think they have no cards. And they're looking at this this game, and I don't know. I think they're depending upon party loyalty, and they're depending upon Trump getting convicted yeah. and arrested. I mean, and and um, uh, imprisoned rather. I don't know if that's going to happen. I don't think it is. It doesn't seem. To, it just seems like it's a bunch of trumped up charges. No pun intended. Yeah, I mean, I just I, again, I, I I'm not a political commentator. I'm not an expert. It does seem like really like why are they going after him so hard right now when they could have done it. You know, like the, the, the whatever, the hotel thing or the valuation of the property from 20 years ago. It's bananas. Right. The valuation yeah. of the property is so obvious, so off what it should be. $18 million for Mar-a-Lago? I'd f- buy it. <laughs> I'd f- buy it immediately. If that was $18 million yeah. and you were the only one that was able to buy it, you'd be a fool not to scoop it up because you could sell it right away. You get a loan and you could sell that right away for who knows how much. I mean, I think Forbes valued it. I think it was like well over seven hundred million, wow. and Trump thinks it's worth over a billion, and he might be right. That's what's crazy. It's a giant piece of property in one of the most valuable pieces of land in all of America. I mean, a house next to him down the street, a much smaller place, sold for fifty. Yeah, so it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make it's it's yeah. it does make sense if you if you want to look at banana public republic banana tactics. Republic, yeah. yeah, so they go after him. And he keeps rising in the polls. And not just the national polls, but the state polls, too. Their plan is backfiring on them. You realize this, right? I mean, their plan was pretty good. It was go after Trump and then boost him as the nominee. Because when you – if they wanted to just ignore the guy, they could have, and they probably should have because he's going to be the nominee. But instead, they kept pushing and pushing and pushing and prosecuting and prosecuting and prosecuting. And now he's going to be the nominee. So now they're stuck with the guy and – Joe Biden's going to lose to him because like I told you at the end of the day, nobody gives a damn about January 6th. You know what they care about though? They care about where they were economically in January of 2021, not who was at the Capitol building. They don't care. They really don't. They don't care. People don't live their life thinking about January 6th. Despite the left's obsession with the high holy day of the left, January 6th, people don't walk around thinking about it. They just go about about their day. But they do think of the fact that they need more money now just to have the same quality of life they had back then. So while people were riding at the Capitol on January 6th, 2021, Americans were enjoying a quality of life that now they need to have an extra 11,500 bucks just to have the same level of lifestyle they had back then. That's what matters more to people. So you see now when I keep telling you that for Democrats, they all realize this is a problem. And that's why I think Joe Biden is not long for this world. I've told you I don't think Joe Biden's going to be the nominee. I don't see how he can be. He's corrupt and he's a terrible candidate and he's out of his mind. And can you imagine him on a debate stage? Could you imagine him debating? As bad as Joe Biden is cognitively now, how much worse does it get by the fall of 2024? It's not good. 855-839-1210 on Twitter at Rich Zioli coming right back. Thanks for listening to the Zioli Show podcast from Talk Radio 1210 WPHT and the Odyssey app. 
All righty. So we are at the end of the show, but don't worry. The great one, Mark Levin, will be up next. And tomorrow I'll be filling in for Jimmy Fela covering Fox Across America. So that'll be a lot of fun. So tune in for that from 12 to 3 if you like, or listen to it after Dom's show. Listen to it tomorrow night. Whatever you want. Whatever you want to do. Anything you want to do. Whatever you want. It's up to you. Anything you want to do. I'm just letting you know I'm doing it. That's all. So I have to let you know these things. So there you go. Uh, what else? We are pretty much almost out of time, but is there anything else I want? Oh, I wanted to get to James O'Keefe. Yeah, so James O'Keefe has a new undercover uh, video. You know, you've heard about these Chinese bio labs that are in California. Uh, is it true or not? Is it real? Or is this just a conspiracy theory? Well, James O'Keefe went there to look at this. And Daniel Sepulveda, a U.S. congressional staffer to Jim Costa, admits the illegal Chinese biolab poses a grave risk to public health and national security. Take a listen. We're doing an investigation to the Chinese biolabs, and the person that you were talking to um, actually works for me. About the Chinese biolabs, you're actually... You're actually on video uh, talking about them, talking about your boss, Jim Costa. You've been recorded as part of an undercover investigation. Yeah, I think they had uh, they had a recording of the guy saying, like, you know, I'm doing parts of this because uh, uh, to benefit the Chinese government. I, I I don't I think I saw like they had they had like uh, done a camera of, or they had like kind of secretly recorded him saying stuff. I mean, I knew for a few months before anybody else did. Did you? We've known for years that. China has been conducting numerous nefarious covert activities right here in the United States. Secret Chinese police stations, underground transportation systems for Chinese nationals, spy and espionage rings. The Chinese even buying thousands of acres of American farmland, some of it right next to our military bases. But those offenses pale in comparison to what we have recently discovered. Convicted Chinese criminals who are active members of the Chinese military are operating secret biolabs right here in small-town America, and they're handling deadly pathogens including Ebola, HIV, malaria, TB, even COVID. Deadly pathogens that could be weaponized and used against Americans at the drop of a hat. So does he think that it was like a bioweapon lab? Well, they don't know. That's what they're kind of like. How many, the, the questions are like, how many other people are like, uh, like creating like these like labs within the United States? So, well, what does your boss think about that? Like, does he think it's well, China? I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah. Okay, what does your boss yeah. think? Like, yeah. do you think that it was like more of a national security threat? Yeah, he does. I feel like we, yeah. he does. Yeah. And Congress, with the help of the mainstream media, have quietly swept it under the rug. That is until one of our brave OMG citizen journalist American Swipers went undercover to investigate and hooked up on Tinder with Daniel Sepulveda, one of California Congressman Jim Costa's top staffers. And on a series of Tinder dates, well, that top congressional staffer started singing like a bird. Amazing stuff. And I'll tell you, uh, to hook up on Tinder like that, it's no easy feat, by the way. You got to swipe, you know, you got to get the right magic has to happen there. But what he wound up admitting was he said, uh, you know, 
this lab could very well be exactly what it is. So take a look. I mean, the question is how many other people are creating labs in the United States? When Fauci goes before the House Oversight Committee, those are going to be some of the questions. You know, is did your agency fund the Wuhan lab? We all know you did. You know, be honest here. And what about other labs across the country? And what are they doing with these labs? And are there dangerous pathogens that are being played with in these labs? The story from Vanity Fair, and I give Vanity Fair tremendous credit for this, Vanity Fair went there and Vanity Fair looked directly at the question of how did the United States ignore the warnings that were coming about the Wuhan Institute of Virology? And you're damn right we did. We absolutely ignored those warnings. We ignored those warnings even though the Secretary of Energy, Deputy Secretary Dan Briette, Dan Briette warned the United States of America that the Wuhan Institute of Virology, they were playing with coronaviruses and the Chinese military may be involved. So uh, hopefully we'll get some answers out of Asanto Fauci when he appears before the committee. That will be nice. And I hate the royal family, but I will say that uh, Piers Morgan is he's naming names. Piers Morgan has a new book coming out and he's a bombshell book. And it turns out that the royals who are all inbred, by the way, we're all asking troubling questions about Archie's skin color. Hmm. Imagine that. On Wednesday's episode of Piers Morgan Uncensored, the British broadcaster revealed the names of the two royals who allegedly had concerns about the skin color of Prince Harry and Meghan Markle's son, Archie, which were accidentally mentioned in Dutch copies of Omid Scobie's new biography, Endgame, Inside the Royal Family and the Monarchy's Fight for Survival. King Charles III and Princess Kate, wife of Prince William, Harry's older brother. They apparently wrote private letters to, uh, and, and, and I guess they questioned uh, Archie. They didn't like the fact that he had brown skin. Hmm. Well, I, nothing surprises me about the royal family, and I hate them. I always will, and I won't <laughs> forgive them for burning down the White House. What? What? I hold a grudge. What can I say? I know it's not healthy. <laughs> From like 1812? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know. But and I, I know they've been friends and we've, you know, we've been friends and everything. But um, I still I still blame them. for. I, 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 it's hard for me to get over things. It takes me a long time. It's what I'm trying to say. You know what I mean? So give it another 200 years and maybe I'll, I'll get over it. <laughs> fair That's enough? Fair. That's fair. Friggin' royals. And they're all inbred too. You know they really are. What? I mean, they are. Well, King Charles with those sausage fingers. I mean, how? That's. I think that's a sign of it, right? Uh, that or, of that being or something inbred? else. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I agree with you, a hundred percent, no doubt about it. <laughs> what? The science portion of the Rick Seal show. <laughs> yeah. Don't take yeah, any science advice science. from me. <laughs> no, Henry, you sound like a scientist. You really do. <laughs> what? Good. I was thinking. I, I was thinking about a career change. I think you know what scientists <laughs> might sound good. Well, as a scientist, you concur with what Dean Phillips said about Joe Biden. He thinks that Joe Biden should smoke some weed. He uh, thinks that Dean Phillips, this guy who's running, I guess, he's a congressman, he thinks that Biden should smoke some weed. How do you think Biden would do on weed? Out of curiosity, <laughs> I have a coughing fit and hack up a lung and probably have to no, he's room. always coughing right <laughs> also you show some respect towards dean phillips he's gonna win new hampshire well he's the only one registered <laughs> uh, i mean the only one who filed right it's just him and marianne williams i think yeah so i mean uh, she, by the way marianne williams is a psychic doesn't she know she's gonna lose why is she running by the way, there were some photos of her at a recent uh, town hall event that she hosted walking around barefoot no socks no shoes 
Well, that's what they do, those Ugh. mediums. All right, have a great rest of your night. Mark Levin is up next. Keep the conversation going on Twitter, at Rich Zioli. And we're back with you tomorrow from 3 until 7. Thank you. Rich Zioli, weekday afternoons, 3 till 7. Talk Radio 1210, WPHT, and on the free Odyssey app. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island Jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla Speed Test Intelligence Data. Fixed median download speeds. US Q3 2023. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale with Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases and shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval, no minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. We all agree that reducing carbon emissions is a good thing. And once again, Toyota is leading the way. We hear a lot about fully electric vehicles, and Toyota has them, with more coming in. But we also know a BEV is not for everyone, whether it's because of cost, range, or concern about finding a charging station when you need it. Plus, the raw materials used to manufacture batteries are limited. Enter Beyond Zero, Toyota's vision for a carbon-neutral future in vehicles, and in manufacturing plants, too, in the years ahead. The materials used to make just one long-range battery for an EV could be used to make batteries for six plug-in hybrids or 90 gas-electric hybrids. That's why Toyota's position today is electrified diversified, empowering you to choose how to reduce your own carbon footprint with the vehicle that's right for you, a hybrid, plug-in hybrid, or battery EV. So shop, learn more, and get details at toyota.com slash beyond zero. Toyota, let's go places.